God, those ladder arms are stupid as hell. You want to start a podcast? I like that you have a unique perspective on Power Rangers because you never had it as part of your childhood. Sure, I guess. Two years later. So, Ashley, we're about two years since starting to watch Power Rangers for this project. How do you feel now that we're on the series that started it all? The latter arms are still fucking stupid as hell, Jules. I'm the bus that couldn't slow down, Ashley. And I'm Boy Who Discovers Comet Jules. And this is Ranger Splain, a podcast where Power Rangers expert Jules takes me, Power Rangers neophyte now, I guess, Ashley, through the entirety of the franchise. And this week we covered the season that started it all for us, Lightspeed Rescue. In the city of Mariner Bay, demons threaten to destroy the city and take over the world. To prevent this from happening, a paramilitary question mark uh organization called lightspeed rescue recruits five young adults to become the lightspeed rescue power rangers with the help of scientist angela fairweather the rangers are the only thing protecting the earth from the escalations of queen banshira and her various demon cohorts so yeah this series was pretty interesting because we noticed that uh the monsters kind of drove the plot more than the rangers did this season yeah i always made a joke like when I first would recommend this to people, I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of all my monsters. It's very soap opera in the background of the monsters, and the rangers are just kind of there fighting them. Yeah. It's like, they're having, like, you know, all my circuits over here with the with the monsters, and while the rangers are just doing, like, I don't know, um, what's a procedural, like, cop show or... Re- medical rescue show that's not Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> yeah. Even though we, we pretty much agree Joel would say, like, the the doctors say the the bleeding was internal. That's where all the blood's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He is, he's got big Jake Peralta energy. And you noted this specifically, is that we kind of, this season is definitely when they kind of are able to really develop the formula of how Power Rangers is going to be paced from here on out. Yeah, because essentially they're, when they tried to do the overarching plot, really, they really tried it in season three and kind of failed. But mm-hmm. when they really tried with, like, in space, kind of saw it was, you know, winning people back over to Power Rangers. So they continued, they, you know, they tried to do with Lost Galaxy, and that was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to say the least, that was a mess. So they kind of more or less, like have more of a solid formula of plot episodes with like a good space of um like character development episodes like minor plot stuff happens in the background but it's mostly there to develop characters right 
And it's also, I think this is the first time it really more adapted the Sentai story okay. than most previous seasons, because previous seasons would just kind of have bits and flavor to it, or, you know, take over some episodes and stuff. This one actually, like, you know, the demons are, uh, is, you know, attacking humanity is actually from GoGo5. Okay. And the whole rescue theme and stuff, it's just they're not a family led by a terrible dad. Right. Yeah, uh, Commander Mitchell is kind of a good dad, even if he did accidentally sell his son to Satan, but we'll get to that. We'll get to how he sold his son to Satan. <laughs> um, and this is also one of the many, like, soft reboots of the series, as I call them, because this was supposed to be, like, fresh start, no Zordon era and everything, and then they tacked on, like, like Lost Galaxy at the end, and it's like, oh, well, I guess it takes place in the same universe. But the writing doesn't sometimes match up because they're like, oh, no, these are monsters. Power Rangers, you, you're you crazy. And it's like, didn't Astronema, when she was pure evil and reprogrammed, like, launch an invasion on the Earth not that long ago? Right. Now, I think my favorite, though, like, popped up in that one ep- in the Lost Galaxy crossover, actually, was, like, the old lady going there's no such thing as monsters (laughs) and it's like you live in mariner bay like we are deep in like season of lightspeed rescue like they're dealing with monsters out here every fucking week (laughs) yeah she's kind of a bit of a joke it's like there's no such because i think somebody shared uh earlier today I'll, i'll just record it someone shared the meme of the grandmother going like there is no such thing as monsters in Mariner Bay. Okay, that's nice, Grandma. Let's get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, how can you say that? Like, when, like, it was weird enough when we were watching Master Rider last month, and, like, they were doing that whole thing of, like, oh, there's no such thing as aliens, when it's, like, it, they canonically take place in the same universe as Power Rangers. Yeah. But the, this one in particular was really egregious, because it's, like, you live in Mariner Bay. What do you think those giant robots are fighting, like, at least once a week? <laughs> Why do you think you take shelter randomly or have these buildings destroyed and people hurt? Oh, my God. It's, oh, mm. Poor old lady. I hope she gets her brain checked out. Yeah. I, I think I was just like, the writers were trying to write somebody being dismissive to a child, obviously, but forgetting the universe they were in. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweetie, you're having an overactive imagination or something could have been better than like, there's no such thing as monsters. It's like, we're, this is episode 30 something of Lightspeed Rescue, honey. We are a year into having monsters in Mariner Bay. Yeah, we are well past that. <laughs> All right, and then um, something we both noted was that the plot does really feel like an action movie. Yeah, it was you that first pointed that out, because I was just always like, ah, this is pretty okay, like popcornish. but you're like, this is like an extended blockbuster movie. If I click- clicked why I thought that, basically. Yeah, so, because, yeah, it just sort of felt like, you know, kind of a, not, I wouldn't say generic, but like, you know, you have like this plot of like, you know, monsters are trying to take over, like, Mariner Bay, and we have to recruit, like, a special military force in order to take them on. And, like, you know, you kind of have this ragtag group of, like, a firefighter, a paramedic. Okay, that kind of makes sense with rescue. And then you have uh, an extreme sports enthusiast, a uh, killer whale trainer, 
and a guy who calls himself the Sky Cowboy because he's like a cowboy that really likes to, is a stunt pilot and likes to fly. Yep. Okay. But somehow this group brings it in together and they save the universe. So, you know, not unlike, you know, the Fast and Furious, I guess. (laughs) But, you know, with with less car stunts. Way less car stunts. Oh my goodness, I'm trying to imagine, like, Fast and Furious, Power Rangers, even though, like, they, they did, they, they are starting to color code. Familia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we've already kind of done a quick overview of our characters, so let, why don't we just get into our characters? Well, first we have Carter Grayson, and we would like to note that we kind of made the joke that the Lightspeed Rescues are basically three himbos, one fembo, and someone with actual brain cells. Yes. And so we have our first himbo, which is Carter Grayson, who's Lightspeed Rescue Red, and he's more like a Captain America himbo, a good shonen anime boy. Yes, he is so far probably my favorite Red Ranger first shows that we've watched in for the series. Yeah, he's uh, de- definitely leader man, and it, not in, like, the boring Jason way. <laughs> right. He actually exhibits good qualities that you should have in a leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he the reason why he was chosen was he was the firefighter, you know, and that, that actually makes sense. Like, okay, you're coming up with a rescue team. A firefighter makes sense. Right. And, um... We kind of touched on that, like, he he has good exhibits of a leader, is he kind of has good type of masculinity of, that he's honorable, he's not afraid for, uh, to help, you know, he's, he's definitely a good guy. Oh, for sure. Um, too bad he's got the bad mom jeans going on. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, I'm like, why did you put that man in such terrible mom jeans? Yeah, and like, there's like... He also is wearing, like, this red sweater most of the time, which is just extra hilarious when he just clips his badge, his his Lightspeed badge, onto the sweater instead of, like, having something like a lanyard. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's probably just too much of a a himbo to really think of that. (laughs) Kind of going back to him being the good masculinity most of the time is that he's kind of the moral center of the team. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of pointed that out because there's so many times that you have, like, when a character is doing bad in the show, like, Carter's typically the one to go up to them and just be like, hey, not cool, dude. And it doesn't even have to be a ranger. Like, it could just be, like, a character in the episode. He'll just go up and be like, hey, that's not cool. That's not great. Yeah, like, he did that to Kelsey's grandma. And basically, like, because there's that whole episode with, like, Kelsey's grandma having, like, this, like, starlight crystal which the demons needed for some reason. I don't even remember at this point. I think it was to, like, give Banshira power or something. Probably. Most of the time it just relates to, we need to give Banshira a power-up, or we need to power up this particular thing so we can open the portal to hell. They don't say hell, but it's it's implied to be hell. Yeah. You know, her grandmother's just being kind of like, you know, an old, rich, snobby white lady. At some point, like, after he she makes Kelsey cry, he's like, you know, you have all of this, but you have no heart. And that was, like, her turning point moment. Because, like, she comes and saves Kelsey from getting attacked by Batlings later. And it's like, okay, so Carter's just kind of... He's not the only character that does this, but Carter is kind of, like, 
he is sort of the moral center of the team. That 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 gooey moral center that reminds you what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, he's he's a good boy. And uh, there's also uh, his big kind of arc in the series is actually more or less finding out. It's about his past. It's finding out why he became a firefighter and who saved him. Because essentially, when he was a boy. He was, I think he was living in like an apartment or something and the building was on fire and he was trapped and this firefighter came and saved him. Like, like had a pillar on his back and there was a big burn and basically got Carter out of there. And he never knew that firefighter, but it's like Carter went from then on. I wanted to be a firefighter. Yeah. And it turns out it was Captain Mitchell all along. It was Captain Mitchell and, um. And uh, Captain, I think Captain Mitchell kind of like hints, it's like, I've been watching you all this time, Carter, which is kind of creepy, but creepy when you look look back on it. I think he did just mean more of like, I've been keeping an eye on your career. Yeah. But it's also like, how did you know that he, you were rescuing him from the building that day? That's a little weird. <laughs> that's a little weird. You know, it's like, lo- looking back, it's like, that's a little weird, but you know, it's TV magic get cut up in the moment you don't think about it that hard yeah as we noted he's kind of he's been willing to let himself die multiple times for the cause uh the 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 biggest two times this happens is one time uh it was i think it was one of the bird monsters from that bird monster arc mm-hmm. where he was he had like the combined like blast weapon that normally is in power rangers and he was in this tight quarters with with the monster, and the monster's like, "Yeah, if you if you pull the trigger, you may get me, but you'll also destroy yourself." Ooh, what are you gonna do in this big tense moment? And he does it. He's like, "Fine, I'm gonna blow you up, even if it takes me." <laughs> you know, and and you see this kind of at the beginning when he when you see when they go after the first monster before they morph, and he just gets in the Humvee or the Hummer and just tries to, like, run over the monster. Yeah, and, like, of course, the biggest moment you see this is actually in the finale when they do, like, spoiler alert, they do defeat Queen Banshira and, like, you know, cast her back through the tomb, back into hell, uh, but she grabs a hold of his leg and, like, basically is about to drag him down with her. And Carter just keeps shouting back up to the other rangers who are trying to pull him up is just, close the tomb, close the tomb. He is willing to let himself be dragged into hell and be at the mercy of these demons just to save the rest of the universe. Carter, Carter's a very good boy. Yeah, like, he is... He is straight up, I think he might be the actual, like, I mean, you could say that about the earlier Rangers, but he's a definite lawful good in all cases of what a lawful good should be. Yeah. Um, I think that goes into, like, when we were talking about, like, we just kind of made fun of Jason being leader man because Mm -hmm. there wasn't much to Jason other than, like, I'm leader Whereas, you know, Carter has a bit of a backstory and just shows more or less like, no, Carter just believes in good. Yeah. And he's willing to, you know, he's kind of willing to do what it takes that, that even if it means sacrifice himself for the greater good. And so that also shows with the fact that like, there's a kind of a thing this season that happens multiple times um, as well is the Rangers will get captured and he has to be the one to rescue them. 
Yeah. What is it I, I, I basically said? It's like, it felt like in Power Rangers, it kind of just felt like, it's like, well, we can't have the woman get captured anymore, so let's just make it the whole team's a damsel in distress. I mean, sure. Yeah, one thing I really did like from, like, one of the first episodes I think they did this was when they got captured, and, like, I believe it was... I want to say Diabolico, or at least one of the demons. It might have been either Diabolico or Lokai. I can't remember at this point. Like, they kidnapped the rangers, and then the monster was basically, like, able to kind of shapeshift into the other rangers. Oh, yeah. It was Diabolico, I think. It was either that or Olympus. One of the two. But, yeah, Carter's basically just playing this one-person game of, like, Among Us, where he's trying to, like, he's, like, slowly catching on to the fact that, like, you know, his friends aren't like, aren't like his friends. There's an imposter. There's an imposter on, on a uh, light speed base. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to like, he's like following the clues. And I think he does eventually figure it out. And when it's like Joel was the one being impersonated. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I particularly, I think out of all the episodes where Rangers get captured and Carter has to save them, that one was my particular favorite. Yeah. It, it was like, that one is pretty good. And the reason why that happened, it was because one of the things, and well, uh, it, it has to do with why the aqua base is there is because the, the demons can't touch water, apparently. Mm. But it's that and the, the kind of weird horror one where all, like, the spiders happened. Oh, God. I, that one just creeped me out so much. Yeah, but that was because it was creepy, and I like creepy horror. Yeah. But, yeah, um, you know, we keep saying that Carter's a really good boy, and he is a really good boy who tries his best, but, like, this is not strictly, like, a problem with him, and we're gonna touch on that when we talk about everyone else but there's not much else there for his character besides you know being like the captain america type yeah but that's something like i said that's something that falls on all of the characters this season because most of the plot is driven by the monsters and not necessarily the rangers yeah which uh brings us to our next age ranger and joel rawlings who, who was originally a ladies man jock like you know he was hunky and stupid but he wasn't you know respectful right and then he drunk and then he drunk the respect women juice and became a himbo yeah he went from all, all women uh, if she breathes she's a thought to all women are queens <laughs> <laughs> that that is that is uh but yeah he was chosen because he was a famous stump pilot a little weird but given that they had to have like a hovercraft zord mm-hmm makes sense that they needed a pilot you know right and it weirdly makes him the you pointed out weirdly makes him the most famous member of the team right because like there'll be times and this comes up a couple of times one time in the lost galaxy episode where like people run up to him and he's like oh my god it's the sky cowboy can i have your autograph and it's like that is a weird thing to like want an autograph for but i can't really judge because like i was like super um starry-eyed over IndyCar racers and NASCAR like racers when I was younger so you know whatever if you, you're into this, you know stunt piloting yeah well you also a uh, quick note it, we might touch upon this later is all the light speed rescue uh rangers they do not have secret identities no like everybody in town knows that they are power rangers for better or for worse you know and some people are really starstruck by it like the episode with um with the astronaut, I think her name was Nancy. Yeah. You know, that she's super into the fact that, like, Kelsey's a Power Ranger. But then you also have Chad's, like, 
asshole sensei, which we will get into in just a minute. Um, yeah. Just being like, like, you wasted your potential on being a Power Ranger. It's like, what? You're a weirdo. Yeah. We'll get to those in a second, but like, kind of fueled a lot of Joel's like, fame too. And I think, what was it? Because uh, we were just, uh, painfully me. I was like, yeah, why is Joel getting the worst seat in the hum- in the Humvee? And you pointed out, it's like, because he's a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, because it's like a lot of the time Joel is kind of the most, I wouldn't say he's cowardly, but he kind of ends up being like the most whiny member of the team in terms of like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Or yet sometimes he has to be talked into doing things. Not to say that he doesn't improve on that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like Joel is the one that's kind of the most annoying member that they kind of have to set straight. Yeah. Well, like we pointed out, um, particularly what happened with, because he's, he's kind of a ladies man. It was kind of hinted at the beginning and all that. Right. And uh, he kind of grows out of it because, you know, he starts to realize like, because he's mainly a, a ladies man towards Miss Fairweather. Right. They're kind of a uh, weapons expert. You know, he just lays it on thick and everything, and then it just finally snaps on him, like, oh, I need to be respectful to her, and I should be respectful to other women. Right. Except for the uh, Lost Galaxy women, of which I don't think he realized they were lesbians. (laughs) Well, in our head, they're lesbians, but they certainly act like lesbians. Yeah. Because, like, there's this, like... There's this part where he's trying to give them, like, you know, his flyers and ask, you know, give them an autograph, and, like, clearly trying to hit on them, and they're both just like, eh, no thanks, and they're kind of like... The way that they were gesturing towards each other just had this big energy of like, no thanks, we're lesbians. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, the cowboy bit is like, there's an emphasis on cowboy, like the way he dresses, sometimes in the way he acts. The fact he likes country music. Yeah, like the the country song they came up for that episode was just so weird. It it was very much a parody on country songs and not Old Town Road or Orville Peck. Yeah, like, just imagine, like, if if Lightspeed Rescue was made... Like, last year, like, in the past, like, year or so, like, they would have been, like, some sort of riff on Old Town Road that was playing, probably. What was it? I sung, like, Joel, Joel's Old Town Road. is like, I'm gonna take my Zord to the Old Town Road. I'm gonna fly till I can't fly no more. Because <laughs> I know country. By that, I mean, like, a few queer artists in, in Old Town Road. Not even the chicks. Mm. Okay, okay, I know the chicks. <laughs> I know a lot of 90s nineties and early 2000s uh, women's country, too. I, yeah, I mean... Which includes them. Yeah, it's just true. Also, just a side note, fuck Adrian Pazdar. Um. Yeah! <laughs> He's still... His, his Twitter is still locked, and it's just like, oh, well, it sucks to be you, dude. You're probably not gonna want go to go to... Go to convention. Yeah, he he just knows he's gonna get cyberbullied by a bunch of like Natalie Maines fans. Just gonna be like, "What happened with the tights on the boat?" <laughs> anyway, um, got off topic there for a second. So yeah, his whole thing is that his main character motivation for most of the season is that he basically, as soon as he meets Miss Fairweather in episode two, he just really, really wants to bang her. He's constantly asking her out on a date and she says no and he doesn't take no for an answer which is just mm. yeah and or she'll trick him into something and involves the group yeah um like i think my favorite was like uh where she was like oh well let's have dinner together and he's like okay and he shows up in a tuxedo to like the light speed like cafeteria and like he opens the door and the rest of like the rangers are there <laughs> And she's like, you didn't think I meant, like, alone, did you? He's like, what? No, I didn't think that. 
It's not just the tuxedo. It was a tuxedo with a matching black cowboy hat. I think it also had a bolo tie. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did too. Though eventually, like, I don't know if it's just like Miss Fairweather does actually, like, get into him or she's just trying to get him to stop, like, wanting to give up as soon as they're facing death in the face. Or she's just like... They do finally go out on a date at the on the, in the last episode. <laughs> and it also goes into the fact he started to respect her, not bug her all the it's, time. Okay, sure. Like, especially after, after we will get to the incest episode. That's true. But that was kind of the big turning point for him. It's like, okay, I need to respect her and her boundaries. Yeah. So he kind of stops really pursuing her hardcore like he did. And mm-hmm. I think that's when she kind of warmed up to him. Right. That that or, you know, you're facing death and she's like. Right. It's like, hmm, my choices are Kelsey and Joel and I'm, I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could be. <laughs> she could be. She could be. Or, you know, Ch- Kelsey's not her type. Yeah. Probably. Which is also hilarious is that there was an episode where, like, yeah, so his cousin Simon, like, there's this whole plot where it's like, uh, he has this whole, that this kid's really smart, vents a telescope that can see out into space, sees an asteroid, sneaks onto, like, Lightspeed Base... Uh, just to be like, hey, there's this asteroid coming. And it, it eventually introduces the Omega Zords and all of that. The Omega Megazord, which is just, that name is so dumb. I'm not over how dumb that name is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, and at the end of the episode, it's like, I, th- I forget if he was like, if like there was another sort of like bait and switch for Joel, but like Simon manages to get a date quote, quote, Miss Fairweather to the observatory before Joel even manages to get an actual real date. <laughs> and I think, like, she also kissed, like, uh, Simon's cheek. Yeah. And he's just like, ah, jealousy of, like, a 12-year-old. Like, Joel grow up. And he did. Yeah, he did. He did. So good for Joel. He grew up. Like, like we kind of mentioned, like, when he finally gets that date with her, it ends with, Basically, an emergency is going on. Everyone chases after the emergency. And it's and it shows that uh, Joel, instead of seeking his own, like, pleasure, he puts the need of the emergency above that and just tells Miss Farrell, it's like, I'll be right back. Yeah. Don't leave without me. Yeah. Um, so I guess moving on from Joel, we have Chad Lee, who is our uh, martial arts surfer himbo. And, and he was chosen because he was a killer whale trader. Because that makes sense. Yeah, that was just so weird. Um, It's like, okay, so out of everybody who's like a... Re- like, he's not even like a lifeguard or anything like that. He uh, Maybe he was a lifeguard at some point. I don't know. But like, it seems like the main motivation was is that, oh, he trains killer whales. So he really cares about the environment? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah, yeah. His main, like, two arcs involve martial arts and women. Yeah. The first one is, like, he's he's shown to be shy around women. Uh, we wanted to talk about this. And the payoff was he he, he just kind of beat he's himself around this mermaid named uh, Marina. Marina. Yeah, Marina. And he we said he fucked a mermaid. He fucked a mermaid. All apologies to T-Pain for that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so that one was just so weird <laughs> um just because it was just like because like the first episode it happened like that marina shows up like 
he's like, ah, oh, she was the perfect girl, but like, she's like, we're, t- we're too different. We're from two different worlds. We can never be together. And it's just like, it's so easy to make the like, why couldn't she be the other type of mermaid with the fish part on top and the lady part on the bottom? Um, <laughs> but like, it also seems like Joel's like, not Joel. <laughs> It seems like Chad is just like, I'm cool with this. I'm fine with this. Please. You're really hot and pretty. And like, I kind of want to kiss you. Like, you're the perfect girl for me. Why Why are you going away? The second episode, you, you kind of find out that she has mermaid magic to like go and land for a while. And um, he saves her father and stuff. And uh, they, they, they kind of end it with them running into the water. And I'm just being like, I, I don't care that you, you're a fish most of the time. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like they, their relationship kind of ends there or if they're just like, okay, we can make this work. But, you know, it's Power Rangers. Sometimes love it's a, a miracle that this love interest showed up for more than one episode. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Unlike Billy's 20 different love interests. Or, like, Chad, not Chad, Leo's love interest from Lost Galaxy. Do you mean what the episode actually tried to sell us as his love interest, or the actual accidental love interest from that episode? Yes. (laughs) Also, side note that we didn't mention with Carter before, at some point he did end up with Leo's chili shirt. Yes! (laughs) That was so funny. That is something that you'll just notice in Power Rangers. It's like, huh, didn't that shirt show up before in a previous season? It's like, they have their small wardrobe budget, and by God, they're going to use it. Um, So a funny thing was that we... So when Chad only had, I would say, about yeah. four ep- uh, episodes that were really centered around him. And one of them was, like, kind of this grrr masculinity episode where, like, which one, they filmed it at, like, the same pagoda that they'd filmed, like, a good chunk of VR troopers at. Yeah, it was the, uh, it was the, um, dad, I miss you (laughs) area where Ryan still would be like, I miss you, dad. And here is how this episode relates to how I missed you. (laughs) And anyway, so there's this whole weird plot where, like, you know, uh, Chad is trying to teach Kelsey Tai Chi and like uh, they're going out and just, you know, kind of just working out. And like this guy comes up and is just trying to challenge Chad to a fight because he wants to prove he's tougher than a Power Ranger. And Chad's just like, no, I'm not doing that. And it escalates into this, this guy gets possessed by demons and is still trying to prove himself masculinity wise. And then eventually comes around and figures out, Hey, I don't have to prove my own manhood. Uh, yeah, the guy who's playing this was, uh, David Leach, 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 um, who is a stunt man, but also was the co-director of the first John Wick movie, Deadpool 2, uh, Atomic Blonde, and, uh, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, he's a well-known action director now, and it's just like, oh, that's him looking like What's his name? Sakabuda I want to tell you guy. Jeremy Rayner. Oh. <laughs> Jeremy Rayner, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just kind of want to tell, tell you. you. <laughs> Shout out to Dee Samaro. <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he's just kind of looking like Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye as Ronan. And like, 
and just doing this whole like really dumb like I need to show how masculine I am because my girl is insulting me in front of a Power Ranger. Then he dumps the girl and teaches children later and then waves at Chad. So it's just kind of like did he and Chad hook up? Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) As we can tell Chad has like Chad if Chad's cool with like fucking a mermaid like i'm sure that like he's fine with dudes too <laughs> Ch- chad's chad's a chill pansexual yeah he's like okay whatever uh i was gonna mention like he's yeah the jerk ass sensei let's mention that first yeah we already briefly mentioned the jerk ass sensei so there's this episode that's their whole like jealousy is bad episode where like chad encounters his sensei again after like i don't know i'm assuming a few months to a year depending on how long they're supposed to be in light speed at this point and, like, his old sensei is just basically like, Grr, I hate that you became a Power Ranger. You wasted your skills on being a Power Ranger. And we're, first of all, we're like, why do you have so much beef against the Power Rangers? In which Kurt made the joke that his, like, his old dojo was in the abandoned warehouse district. <laughs> uh, so that could be it. I'd also like to note, uh, uh, now about each season takes about a, a year normally. Okay. And then, like, eventually, like, this, there was an... There's the monster in this episode. I don't remember the monster's name. But, like, we just jokingly called... We just called it, called him Brock Lesnar. Yeah, Cyclopter, that's it. Because he was a Cyclops. Yeah. But, yeah, he he looked... He had the same, like, body shape as Brock Lesnar. So he's, he's just Brock Lesnar, the monster. And an IWGP uh, title on him. It was weird. Yeah, Cyclopter once ate the word ham, and no one could use it for, like, a week. <laughs> but anyway, so... His jerk-ass sensei, to kind of, I guess, get back at Chad to begin with, is just like, oh, I will teach you, Cyclopter, because Cyclopter comes to him and is like, please, because, no, he, jerk-ass sensei beats Cyclopter in a fight at the beginning, and so jerk-ass, so jerk-ass sensei, sorry, no, Cyclopter goes to jerk-ass sensei, and is like, please teach me, teach me how to, like, fight like you so I can be better, and Jerkass Sensei's like, well, okay. And then, it, like, so he spends time teaching him, and Chad is just like, how, how dare you teach him? He is a monster. And he's like, Jerkass Sensei like, is like, he's changed. He's changed for the good. And, like, he is committed to his work, unlike you, who left your karate training to be a Power Ranger. I'd like to note, the, uh, the Jerkass Sensei does have a name, and it's Tomashiro. Yes, that's it. But he he barely shows up ever again, so. Yeah, he doesn't show up ever again. He's only in this episode. But he eventually learns his ways because, like, after he's like, I have nothing else to teach you, Cyclopter. He's like, Cyclopter's like, okay, fooled you, and then kicks his ass. And then so basically, jerk-ass sensei has to go crawling back to chat and is like, I was wrong! (laughs) Being a power was good, and it kind of ends with, like, with, with uh, Ma- uh, Sensei Tomoshiro, jerk-ass McGee, just going up to, like, Captain Mitchell and be like, Chad's a Power Ranger, as in, I'm proud that Chad became a Power Ranger. Which Captain Mitchell being really confused, because he was not there for the rest of this, just like, yes, good for him. <laughs> good for him, I, I chose him. Yeah. Because <laughs> just like... Yeah, because I don't think they looped in Captain Mitchell about anything that had happened in that episode. So he's just really confused about why this old, like, I'm assuming Japanese man is in his, like, light speed base going, like, look at this, uh, my, my student, he's a Power Ranger. 
He's like, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, uh, which, by the way, uh, the sensei had the worst fake beard I have ever seen on Power Rangers, and that is saying something. There was a lot of bad fake beards on this season. I don't want to go too into it, but, like, that skateboarder episode had uh, another bad fake beard and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Another thing we'd like to point out is Chad uh, and Kelsey were just the best of bros. Yeah, so, like, throughout the season, like, kind of the close friendships that you see, like, all of the Rangers are friends with each other, like, most Power Ranger seasons, but, like, Chad and Kelsey especially were shown to be really close, and not really, like, in a love interest way, like, they were just shown to be, like, super good friends with each other, and at one point, Kelsey's even like, I'm gonna help you learn how to talk to girls. Gay. Gay, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he just got the short, like, for a season where the characters weren't that developed, he he definitely got the short end of the stick. Yeah, because, like, as we mentioned, there's only about four episodes where Chad is, like, the central figure. And, like, that's about it. Outside of that, like, you'll see him, like, interacting with the other rangers and, like, helping them out with things. Like, we know that he really loves to dive and, like, he wants to help teach Kelsey Tai Chi and all that. Uh, he's really good at karate Enough for his sensei to surfing, like and surfing. Enough for his sensei to be mad that he like let the dojo to become a Power Ranger. But yeah, other than that, I'm like I can't really tell you much else about Chad's character. Kind of like his big like any big character moments that he had like Carter like outside of those four episodes. Yeah. Um. But since we already mentioned Kelsey, so let's talk about Kelsey Winslow, who is our extreme sports fembo. Yeah, she was chosen because she can climb rocks and stuff. I, I mean, better than a cop, I guess. Um. Yeah, like, no no cops were chosen for this season. <laughs> so they're just like, yeah, rock, rock climbers and killer whale trainers are better than cops. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so she's like this extreme sports enthusiast. I think it's implied that she does extreme sports competitions because like she can rollerblade and like she climbs rocks. Like I think she was like, I don't know if she was, she had a guy line, but like she was doing it solo. Yeah. And it's sort of implied that she does all of this stuff and that her family kind of considers her crazy her rich family that considers her crazy yeah so something that definitely we also kind of noticed about like kelsey is that like she is kind of queer coded in a way um yeah it's one of the things that's like almost everyone who watches lightspeed will bring up and it's true she she is like like the first time we really see it is with nancy i think in that uh episode where she befriends quote unquote a uh a uh, shuttle pilot yeah and like i don't know she's just talking about how cool her new friend is new friend yeah out of all of the characters that could offer to help like chad pick up women it's kelsey who's like i'm gonna teach you how to talk to girls yeah i i, I was gonna note that uh, how she really meets nancy she saves nancy's dog which is like the most nat 20 moment of the series because kelsey manages to like okay so basically she roll she rollerblades out into traffic to pick up this dog manages to pick up the dog and then like roll under like an oncoming semi to safely to the other side of the road i also love that like no one gets injured in any of this <laughs> I also love that the dog was just kind of chilling in the road. Yeah, dog was not freaked out. The dog was just sort of like, I'm just sitting here. 
dum 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 All these cars, and everyone else around him is freaking out, and cars are speeding past him. <laughs> and the dog's just there like, yep, whatever. But but back to the kind of Chelsea, like, also, like, her outfits, you know, we, I just, when we were, like, looking at one of them, we're like, wow, that is a butch lesbian right there. Because basically she had on, so she had on a bikini top. But, like, she also had on, like, this Hawaiian shirt over it and then, like, these kind of, like, board shorts. Like, not, like, full board shorts that went down to her knee, but they were longer than, like, you know, shorty beach shorts. And it's just, like, wow. And she had her hair down, too. But, like, the way that her hair was styled, it just was not, like... You know, it's not meant to be like, ooh, sexy, like, like sexy hair to appeal to like the the, the boys watching this show. It's just like, it was just like lesbian. <laughs> it's to appeal to the girls watching the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of like, she later kind of, uh, well, we'll talk about her. In, well, we can talk about her and Dana's friendship now is she'll even have these like moments with Dana, which are like gals being pals. Yeah, it's, um, which... That has happened in the past few seasons of Power Rangers, and it's kind of just, like, it's either that, I don't know if it's just because, like, the the writer's room don't really know how to write, like, girl friendships without it coming across as gay. <laughs> there's a definite episode where, like, okay, so there's an episode where Dana becomes a model, and we'll talk a little bit about that episode more when we get to Dana. Um, and, like, Kelsey is kind of, like, mad about the fact. I don't know if it's because she's jealous that Dana isn't spending time with her or like she thinks Dana is getting kind of too big like her head's getting too big for her own good or I I was saying it's very unclear like why she's jealous and angry and drawing like devil horns on on her model pictures but yeah it's just like the entire vibe is a little gay (laughs) and just like yeah uh, by the end it's just gals being pals (laughs) kind of her big uh, she has a couple big episodes, uh, but the biggest one I think does have to deal with her grandmother, which we talked about trying to seek approval from her grandmother who she's super rich, but she also like grew up like, you know, like Kelsey of being into extreme sports and shit like that mm-hmm. or extreme sports for that time period. You know, she, she was a great. And then um, it's kind of my favorite thing is how that grandmother did end up saving Kelsey. It was through driving a forklift through a warehouse and, like, decked out in hockey safety gear. Yeah, she was, like, just covered head to toe in padding, was wearing, like, a helmet, and then was just carrying around, like, uh, a hockey stick and was just hitting batlings with it. It was great. And then, like, at the very end, her and her grandma go rollerblading together. Yeah, she rollerblades everywhere because it's 2000s. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's 2000. Rollerblading is still cool. Her big thing is that she often needs to learn to think before she leaves. She kind of has the hyperactivity ADHD thing going on. Yeah. But other than that, she's just kind of, she's static, but not in, like, a bad way uh, of, you know, she, like, of little character growth we get from Chad. Like, that's a good, she's good to bounce that off. Same with Dana. I think Carter at one point, too, because she she did something stupid and needed to be saved. Yeah, and then... Because, yeah, you noted here, just ADHD? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, because she just kind of has that... It just feels like, like, the like for I, a lot of ADHD people who have hyperactivity, especially, uh, do get into extreme sports because that, that is a way to, like, 
increase your dopamine levels. Okay. And 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 increase engagement in things. So, fun fact. Yeah. All right. Today I learned. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess again, we've already talked about her and Dana being great friends and all of that. So let's kind of move on to Dana, who is the one on the team with actual brain cells. Yes. And she was actually chosen because she was a paramedic, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. And also probably shows why she's the one with brain cells. She's often the one that thinks things through. She even, like, the weird episode that kind of riffed on speed. Mm-hmm. She She's shown to, like, have a slight interest, even though she's in the medical field, she has a slight interest in volcanology. And was like, hey, I want to go check out the readings of this volcano. So I'm going to go do that. Oh, the Humvee's not available, so I'm going to take a bus with this and check it out. Then she proceeds to have to, like, save the bus from, like, not just the volcano, but then a guy robbing the bus. Yeah, it's, that episode is so interesting and weird. Yeah. Um, No, the guy was bus jacking it because he was trying to get away from a robbery that he committed. Right. But then, like, it turns out he was a bus driver who got fired from his job and he was just really desperate. Yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah. But, you know, she she definitely shows, she's like, it's kind of interesting, like, the, the two big science people of the uh, of the season are Dana and Miss Fairweather. Dana just kind of wants to do a lot of neat stuff, like, her interest seems to fall there, mm-hmm. even though she's very much driven to be a meta like a medical student and stuff like that yeah i'd like to note that she's also like the only confirmed teenager on the team at 19 years old yeah so we do see that she is still studying in college like that has not stopped for her being a power ranger um but she talks about like yeah she's the youngest member of the team and then she often talks about how like you know, she's worried about if she's going to be able to afford medical school when she gets older, which is just like, okay, you're part of, like, basically a paramilitary organization. Like, one, are they not paying you enough or are they not offering to, like, pay for your, like, medical school training? And two, it's like, you're a Power Ranger. Like, schools love, like, community, like, colleges love, like, when you can admit that you're, like, part of your community service. I feel like anybody, if she wrote on, a like, an application that I'm a Power Ranger and, like, wrote an essay all about that, she would probably get a full-ride scholarship. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting fact about Dana. Uh, so in the series, she's played by Allison McInnes, but she was very nearly played by Amy Adams. Yep. Yeah, Amy Adams admitted this in an interview recently-ish uh, where... She said that she was offered the part. She auditioned and everything for uh, Lightspeed Rescue uh for the pink ranger in the series she didn't like i don't think she ever if they had a name at that point or she may have forgotten the name and she almost took it but her agent was like no this will be a negative aspect of your career don't do it uh so she decided to back out and then eventually they went with allison McInnes. uh which is like i think her like the way amy talked about it it was just like i mean i don't like she's i don't think she really had regrets over it but she kind of wonders what could have happened with her career if she had gone through with Power Rangers. Yeah. And it's, it's a fun what if to think about. Like, what if Amy Adams was playing this character? Yeah. And not to say that Allison was a bad actress. She's actually, pre- like, for the rest, compared to some people in this, like, series, she's pretty good. <laughs> well, we'll get to her. Oh, yeah. 
but yeah, it's a it's a fun what if to think about. Like, well, what if you had like this actress who has been nominated for now nominated for multiple Academy Awards, but still hasn't won one because disrespect. Um, had like, what if you had this actress playing this particular character? Like, how would have that changed the dynamic, if any? Yeah, getting back to Dana's character. So Dana is the daughter of our captain, uh, Captain Bill Mitchell. So he's kind of the mentor of the team, but it's like, there's also like, he clearly does not have nepotism to any of his children. Kind of treats them like any other member of the team. Yeah. The big exception of Ryan, but we'll get into that. Right. Like there's this whole episode where like, um, they're basically having, like the other Rangers are having to help transport this particular like energy device from one side of the town to the other. Except, he's like, except for Dana. Like, I need you to go pick up my old fishing buddy. And, like, Dana is frustrated for most of the episode because she thinks that her dad is treating her, like, basically is treating her with kid gloves. So just like, I don't want you out in the field. It's too dangerous because you're my daughter. And, like, she's kind of, like, annoyed by it because she's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to j- be seen as just your little girl. I want to be treated like the rest of the team. Which later you find out, like, that, she was the one being, like, she was the one transporting the real device. Uh, and basically, like, Captain Mitchell sent her because, like, sh- she was going to be the most trustworthy person to make sure that it was going to get to point A to point B with little trouble at all. A.K.A. the one with a brain cell. Yes, she's the one with brain cells. So you can't, it's like, the other team members are fine. They're just, you know, they're just kind of dumb. <laughs> Like, the only other person I could see him doing that would be, with like, Carter. But everyone else, especially, like, Joel at this point. You know, Joel early in the season would have ran off. Like, see ya! Yeah, this is, like, see- this is like episode three or something like that. So, like, it's still very early on. We're figuring out the dynamics. So, like, well, like he'll just send the person he trusts the most, which is his 19-year-old daughter who is, like, training to be a doctor. Yeah, that Glitz Girl episode was kind of, uh weird yeah i think it's supposed to show like it was supposed to show how driven she was because like in terms of like paying off her student loans yeah which again the fact nobody is like stepping up to help pay for her college is just weird (laughs) also like this is the supposed to be like power rangers where everything is good and awesome and you don't think that free college is a thing apparently not but yeah basically she kind of gets talked into being like a model because like the 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 agent that we should know has an extreme drag queen name of Coco Cashmere, and that's spelled with a K. <laughs> yeah, it's spelled with a K, Coco Cashmere. We're just like, that's a drag name. Yeah, but anyway, her agent, Coco Cashmere, is just like, this, like, like you'll be famous. This will help you pay your student, lo- like, this will help you pay for medical school. And Dana is not talked into being famous. She's talked into, like, I can pay for medical school doing this? Sure. Yeah, which is just, that's just a millennial mood, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't really want to do this thing, but it's going to pay me money, so I'm going to do this thing just to get the money. This was a millennial mood before when, like, millennials were, like, mostly, like, teenagers. (laughs) Jay, I'm a millennial. I was 10 then. This is 2000. Like, that's what I meant, like, mostly, like, like in at old okay rephrase oldest being teenagers okay because it's like i'm also one but i'm a little older than you so right but you still weren't a teenager then well you were like 13 yeah i was 13 <laughs> you were technically a teen <laughs> yeah that's a gravity falls joke yes it's like it's like yeah i was 
Yeah. Anyway, so it, you noted here, so I'm going to let you, like, elaborate on this, is that you noted, I may be a healer, but energy. It, it's kind of that, that uh, it's from Gund, it's from one of the Gundams, and it's, it's like a doctor cocking his gun and like, I may be a healer, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's, she's definitely got that vibe to her. Like, yeah, she's a healer. She's a, like, she's training to be a doctor. She's a paramedic, but she's still going to kick your ass. Yeah. Kind of the biggest thing when Ryan is later introduced, like her biggest thing is kind of dealing with the loss of Ryan. And like, when, when the plot wants to talk about Ryan, it always starts with Dana being like, I'm worried about my brother. Yeah. Or I miss my brother. Yeah, and also just, like, one note of things that this is, like, you mentioned before is, like, we're kind of in that part where, like, the pink rangers are no longer, like, extreme girly girls. Yeah. It started, like, the extreme, like, girly girls started fading out around Cassie with Turbo Mm -hmm. and Ashley. Because they were, like, girly in a ways, but they also had things about them that they liked, like Ashley. Ashley was probably the girliest of girls, but, you know, she liked to, you know, she learned how to repair cars and stuff. Right. Cassie kind of had her own tomboyish ways, but it just kind of, like, slowly and uh, eventually until we get the Lightspeed Rescue, it just seems like we don't do the girly girl, uh, tomboy girl dynamic anymore. Like, especially because the only time you really see her being extremely girly in the series is the Glitz Girl episode. Yeah, the only thing is, like, she wears a skirt and minimal makeup, but that's because she's trying to fit into her paramilitary organization. Yeah, so we we don't necessarily see what her personality is outside of that, if she likes to get dressed up occasionally. But, like, yeah, the only time we really can definitively say, oh, yeah, this is, um... This is Dana being a girly girl is that Glitz Girl episode. And it was for money. Yeah, and, like... It's not the only episode that focuses on her, but, like, it's it feels like a significant episode that focuses on her just because of, like, kind of the character development and kind of seeing, like, what motivates her. Yeah. She is the only one not to get amnesia in the clip show. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> the fucking clip show. Which is just hilarious, because they're just like, huh? How do you know my name? And then, like, she says the most hard line of the entire series in this episode, and I don't even know, like, if I had heard this, I would have thought it came from, like, one of those, like, super, like, heady anime, action anime that's, like, about, like, you know, the end of the world and all of that. But, like, she says at one point to the, the mem- like, the monster that took their memories is, like, may this be your last memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she was hardcore. Yeah, that was the most hardcore fucking line of this entire series. And it's like, it's like, it came from the Pink Ranger in Lightspeed Rescue. <laughs> anyway, um, so we've talked a little bit about Ryan. So let's move on to Ryan, who is, uh, he is not a himbo. He is a sad emo boy raised by demons. <laughs> so our good friend Bill. Bill. <laughs> Bill sold him to Diabolico to save his life. That that was so for the first part of the series, you see Dana and uh Bill. <laughs> they just kind of go go about their lives and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're celebrating a birthday or something. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be somebody's 20th birthday. And then you find out about kind of like, oh, Dana had an older brother. And then it turns out that she doesn't remember, and her father kind of hid this from her. Great job, Dad. Uh, is t- total Bill move there, Dad. Yeah. 
was uh they they <laughs> the fuck I can't because it's like they were in a car accident where the where the car like basically reamed off a cliff and exploded. Yeah, like cars do. Like like cars are one to do. Yeah, and they were like hanging over the gorge and like over the the car fire with a branch or something, and um, Diabolical just shows up because Ryan is like holding on to Captain Mitchell's uh, shoe mm-hmm. and says, "I'll save your kid." Captain Mitchell at first is like, no, I don't want to do it. And then Ryan falls and Bill just goes, no, save my kid's life. Dolabalco, you know, saves Ryan's life. And then goes, uh, yeah, I'm keeping him. Yeah. You sold him to me. It's like, you won't see him again till his 20th birthday. Peace. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that, that is like. That is kind of Ryan's backstory is he was sold to Satan. Yeah, it's like it's the same fucking story as like, I think it's Connor or something like that from Angel. Angel's weird like vampire baby with like, with Delia, Delilah, Darla, Darla. It was Darla. Mm. Yeah, like it's the same arc with like his weird vampire baby with Darla, but it's got less of the, it's got a little bit of the angst, but it's got less of the weird uh, time travel angst. No time travel angst, just angst of being raised by demons. Yeah, uh, I would like to note that Lightspeed Rescue came out before that. Or wait, no, during. They were contemporaries, apparently. Real? Yeah. No, no, Lightspeed Rescue came out first, because it was 2000. Right, so, So, but that particular season of Angel was, like, season two, season three. So, like, now I just, like, I'm just gonna make the joke here that Joss Whedon was, like, copying his notes from Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. (laughs) Exactly. Like, (laughs) oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what what if uh, I wrote Ryan Mitchell as uh, Angel's kid? I mean, because Connor's also a little whiny emo bitch, so it tracks. <laughs> I have not watched Angel in about ten years, so, like, I, I feel confident making that joke. Yeah, I had to Google it, too. <laughs> I, I Googled it, because I'm like, wait a minute, they were kind of content. Oh, wait, no, Lightspeed Rescue came first. Oh, good, I did get his name right. It is Connor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I felt I was feel so bad if I was saying like his name was Connor and it was like Chad or something. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so so Ryan kind of gets raised with this mentality that his family hated him and didn't want him and essentially just gave him away to Diabolico because this is what Diabolico's been telling him since he was like I assume like five years old. Yeah. Uh, because we don't really know how old like ryan was when he was absconded by demons but like based on the like the kid actor they had like it, he like it's fair to say he might have been like five or six yeah and that makes sense because dana's like a year younger than him and a uh, memory of a four or five year old especially when a traumatic event happened mm-hmm. like it, it can be pretty swiss cheesy or she can you know you know Pretty hard to remember. She probably remembers the accident, but she definitely probably does not remember what happened to Ryan. So. Yeah. So for years, she's probably like, Bill probably just told her. Sorry, Bill probably just told her <laughs> that like, <laughs> that Ryan died instead of telling her the truth. Great job, Bill. Well, maybe because Bill didn't think that Ryan was alive either. <laughs> nah, that's true. Yeah. Because he kind of, he kind of goes 
through the whole thing. It's like, I can't believe that, that actually happened. Yeah, and he's just like, well, he also was probably thought that, like, Diabolico was fucking with him when he said, like, oh, you'll never see your son again until his 20th birthday. And then all of a sudden, like, Ryan on his 20th birthday sneaks on the aqua base and uh, steals the titanium ranger morpher. Yeah, so basically he has this whole arc about, it's like a three episode, three or four episode arc where, like, Ryan has to, like, be convinced to the ways of the light or become how to become good. And, like, Dana and, uh, like, Bill show him that. It was better than um, the last uh, Star Wars movie, whatever the name of that was. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. The, the, Ryan Mitchell was better written, had a better written uh, redemption arc than... <laughs> Uh, Ben Solo. I'm glad this is not a video podcast because nobody else can see my, like, facepalm just now. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. This is not a Star Wars podcast. I will not go into a rant about how bad that movie was, but (laughs) I don't know. I just watched it with the jewels, like, not too long ago, and it's just not a good movie. It's not a good movie. What the fuck? Oh, God. Back to Ryan. He he becomes good. Yes. And, like, I, the funny thing is, like, part of his arc to good involves this episode with exploding feathers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because it involves, like, this trio of brothers. Mm-hmm. They're all bird-based, except for this one really ugly, chonky monster that just has wings. So I'm guessing he's a biblical angel. And, um... Yeah, probably. Th- they have this whole thing where, like, feathers are thrown across Mariner Bay... And, uh, essentially they can, uh, they'll explode at sundown. So he picks one up on knowing what it is and, like, gives it to this kid who is teasing his sister and just tells the kid, like, hey, you know, being a big brother is rad. So, yeah, and later when he finds it out, he goes and finds the family conveniently and throws the feather over a bridge and explodes and he realizes, oh, there is good in me because I saved this family. Uh, and then as you kind of noted with this, is that since the Titanium Ranger is an American-made ra- ranger, they came up with so many ways to turn Ryan into Sir not appearing in this series. Because they were cheap fuckers. Yeah, so the first one, hilariously, is Ryan did, is appearing in the series at this time, but like... They had to come up with a way to kind of have him morph less with the team. So what they came up with is that when he changes to the side of good and it starts hanging out with the Power Rangers, Diabolico comes to him in a dream and curses him with this really terrible cobra tattoo. And it's just like, anytime you morph, this tattoo on your, the cobra on your back will get further up your back until it's up at your neck and will bite you and you will die. Very dramatic. Also, the uh, the little, uh, they did an animation for it, and I'm guessing they didn't pay the animators enough because it looks really stupid. Yeah, which is just like, on top of how bad the Cobra looks and how bad the animation looks, it's just like, oh, this is just bad. It's just so bad. Yeah. And then, like, eventually they are able to free him from the curse of the Cobra. But then, like, he ends up going on, like, a spirit journey afterwards to try to, like, figure out how, what Diabolico is planning. Or rather, by extension, Queen Banshira is planning. To the uh, desert Egyptian era area of Mariner Bay. Yeah, because it's like they don't really establish where the fuck this desert is. It's just sort of implied that's an offshoot of Mariner Bay. And it has Egyptian ruins, because why not? Yeah, so like, he goes on this journey. Um, he really only comes up when the plot needs him to come up. Yeah. Just to be like, oh, hey, here are the stakes. 
And now Ryan is going to disappear. And, like, there's literally, like, a stretch of episodes, even though he's in the credits, uh, where he doesn't show up. And then he shows up for an episode where he meets the Sorcerer of the Sands. And then the Sorcerer of the Sands dies at the end of the episode. He gets murked hard. Yeah, and then Ryan doesn't show up again for another, like, five or six episodes. And then he shows up conveniently for the last two. (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah. And the reason why he was American-made is uh, Go-Go 5 only had five rangers, hence the play on the name Go-Go. Ha-ha. 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 Uh, so, and, um, up until that point, they've always been able to, like, make an ally into the Sixth Ranger, like, with Lost Galaxy, or there was a Sixth Ranger involved. Because mm-hmm. Sixth Rangers and Sentai were only a, th- the Sixth Warrior and Sentai was really only a thing, uh, that happened, in the true sense, happened around, um, Zoo Ranger. Okay. Like, before that, it would be, like, there may have been an additional, like, team member come up but it was always like four or five members to a team six was kind of unheard up up into that point right so you know they've been kind of riding with that uh with some seasons having an actual like six ranger other seasons having kind of like an additional like auxiliary support uh, that kind of has henshin hero looky ish right like the magna defender and uh what was his name from turbo Oh, God. The Blue Centurion. That's it. So they had those things. And it's just, you know, GoGo 5 didn't. It was just those five members of a Sentai team. No really auxiliary thing going on. So they're like, crap, we need to sell that sweet toy of a six ranger. So we're just going to make one up. And Yeah, they certainly made one up and then never used him. I forget, like, I, I can't confirm what season they got the suit from. I And I think maybe the morpher came from Mega Ranger. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's just kind of like they just found a suit and spray painted it and shit. And, and was like, hey, we have a ranger and then let's not use him. Another thing kind of going back to Ryan is that we noticed his trauma kind of needed to be fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, like... We just kind of know that he has the trauma of being raised by demons, but that only really is there for, like, three episodes, and then it's like, oh, forget it, I'm good now. Yeah. And it's just like, mm. <laughs> To anyone who wants to pitch that comic, or write a fanfic about it, there you go. Yeah, I'd read it. Say, the last thing about Ryan is we, we notice that uh, Bill's nepotism kind of comes out with, like, the fact that Ryan, all the rangers get like a shared room based on their uh their their gender mm-hmm. like the boys get their own room the girls get their own room and that includes dana dana shares a a room with kelsey ryan gets not only his own room a big enough room with i think a kitchen and like a fish tank <laughs> and we're just like <laughs> bill has some guilt here yeah it's like sorry i sold you to satan when you were like five <laughs> here's a sweet it was probably the captain's quarters i'm guessing probably he's like i'm gonna go like sleep in like a shitty quarter compared to this because you deserve the captain's quarters it's like he's gonna sleep in his office (laughs) yeah he sleeps in his office now because he's like now ryan gets my quarters (laughs) 
so we've talked a little bit about Bill. So let's talk about Bill, uh, or AKA Captain William Bill Mitchell. <laughs> and I love your, cause we're like, ha, huh, he has a first name. But like, I think it came up randomly. Uh, and then you were just like, yeah, he looks like a Bill. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't explain it, but when you look at him, it's just like, mm, yeah, that, that man's a Bill. He's straight up a Bill. <laughs> He's straight up a bill. And as much as we were giving him some shit, uh, we kind of liked him. Yeah, he's probably one of the more competent, like, uh, mentors for the team, which is just weird to think about. Well, when I say team, I mean Power Rangers in general. Yeah, so he's a former firefighter turned paramilitary commander after his son is sold to Satan, as we've mentioned. I'm still not over the, like, oh, wow, he really did sell his son to Satan. And that's what started this whole... That's what started this whole thing, is selling his son to Satan. I mean, in his defense, he was trying to make sure his son didn't, like, die in a fiery explosion that was at the bottom of a cliff. Yeah, let's be let's be fair to Bill. Yeah, but he did also sell his son to Satan, so, you know, half dozen one, six of the other. So, yeah, after he, like, I'm assuming that he rescued Ryan from the fire before, like, you know, his kids, like... He got in that accident with his kids. So yeah, like, I'm assuming that he saved Carter from, like, the fire before, like, you know, his kids got, like, in that car accident and he accidentally sold his son to the devil. I mean, Ryan, Ryan in the car did have, like, a fire truck trying to, you know, be, like, his dad, essentially. Yeah, which makes sense. So, but after that point, we assume that he kind of just dedicates his life to defeating Queen Banshira. And, like... It's kind of implied at the very end of the series because, like, Aquabase ends up falling. Then they have to evacuate. And it's sort of implied that, like, Commander Mitchell kind of wants to go down with the ship. Because <laughs> he kind of has this moment of, like, ev- everything I've worked for is gone. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, okay, Bill, I understand what you're going through here. But we need to get the fuck out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I'm glad that the Rangers snapped him out of it. Like, hey, this is kind of, like, not, it's like, yeah, this is heroic in the way culture makes it, but not really. So, come on, Bill, let's get out of here. Yeah, which he does decide to get out of there, but then, like, they get stuck in the aqua base and, like, nearly drown until they realize they can escape through the submarine exit. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And weird. <laughs> Yeah, um, and they, they definitely were, they they blew their budget on that submarine, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's, he's kind of fatherly. Uh, yeah, we mentioned, like, and that ties into the good mentor bit, is up until this point, you had, well, first you had Zordon, he was very hand-holding, and kind of, like, a little weird, because he, you know, you like to harp on that, because it's very true. He told Kimberly, I didn't mean to deprive you of a life. And he did. Right. Yeah. You know, because his idea was like, I'm going to uh, grab teenagers. And I'm like, that that's kind of a war crime, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then you had, um, no, no, I would like to note that, you know, they were teenagers because like kids, it, it, it's like ki- kids would be like, oh yeah, that's near adult enough for me. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Demetria, who was just, just spoken riddles all the time. And yeah, they're trying to move away from like the handholdy mentor figure that Zordon was. But it was just like mm-hmm. the complete opposite. Like she was just confusing. She didn't help. Uh, eventually, like they just kind of wrote her out of the series. Yeah, she kind of, 
yeah, they really didn't really give her a good ending. Like, she just sort of goes away and then, like, comes back at the last couple episodes and yeah. goes, peace out, bye. Yeah, and then basically whenever they were picking up from Turbo, was it Turbo? Yeah, Turbo. Yeah, so when they're picking up from Turbo. Into in space. Like, they're just like, oh, well, our main concern is what's happening to Zordon. You know, let's not worry about Demetria, who might be dead. <laughs> Might be dead after guarding Zordon, you know. Right. And and then you had Andros, who was just more or less kind of more of a guide than a mentor. Yeah, and like he didn't really seem interested in being a mentor or a leader. And, that, and you know, that makes sense. It's like they're, you know, the Rangers are more or less adults now. They don't need the guidance of a, of a mentor figure. Right. And they've been also like superheroes for about a year. Right. So, you know... Them not having a mentor figure really makes sense in 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 space because they graduated from that. But then you have Last Galaxy, which is kind of like nobody bestows the Rangers' powers or anything; they just grab them from a sword, like like a like a sword in the stone. Yeah, Commander Stanton's not really round enough to be kind of a mentor figure. Like he does sometimes step into that role, but otherwise, like. He's more concerned with piloting the ship and all of that. So otherwise, like, you know, Captain Mitchell here, like, he really is trying to teach the team, like, and be a mentor to them. You know, especially with kind of what what the stakes are. Yeah, it also goes into, like, you know, with Lost Galaxy, they were just kind of a ragtag bunch of kids. Or not kids, but a, a kiddish adults right. that got kind of chosen yeah. by fate. Whereas, like, Captain Mitchell chose these people to basically spearhead the fight in his paramilitary organization. Yeah, so, like, he, of course he wants to, like, help develop them into the best that they can be. Even though sometimes I'm like, I wish he would, like, he could have told Dana in secret instead of her fuming the entire episode. Like, once, once the, the himbos and fimbo went out of the room, you know, hey, you with one brain cell, I trust you. Yeah. Because I'm sure Dana could keep, a com- like, something confidential. Yeah. Like, if you trust her that much, I'm sure you could trust her to be like, hey, I need you to keep this under your hat, but you're the one who's going to be transporting the real device. Yeah, it's like, we're, we're actually trying to, yeah, we're trying to do a bait and switch here. Yeah, instead of her realizing, like, halfway through the episode, she's like, oh, God, I'm the I'm the one who's, like, in charge of transporting the real thing. Or the, uh, like, during the training uh, exercise where he tells Carter he fails, he doesn't go into why Carter fails because he wants Carter to figure it out. Uh, and Carter does, but it's just kind of like, you could have, like, critiqued it. Yeah. Like, instead of going... You fail. Yeah. Just be like, oh yeah, there were there were explosive canisters. You know, you need to. Uh, so please look around your surroundings before shooting. Yeah. So I think, and that kind of shows up again briefly in the Glitz Girl episode, where like uh, Carter kind of looks at like uh, Captain Mitchell after he's kind of seen what you know Dana's becoming because of all of this. And he's like, I have to trust her to make her own decisions. Yeah. Which it's just, just like, I feel like that's easier than just kind of ha- chiding her. Like, you know, that she, like she is like 12 years old or something like that. He's like, no, she's, you know, she is an adult. I have to trust that she's going to make her own decisions about what she wants to do with her life. Yeah. Even if he doesn't necessarily approve. And which at, towards the end, she does make her own decision of like, hey, you know, after Coco's just like being dismissive of like, the things I have to do as a ranger, I decide that I'm going to be a ranger. Yeah. 
Which, you know, makes sense. So yeah, it's like, you know, we, we harped on Bill for a minute, but he's he's pretty all right. He's yeah, I think he's kind of one of our favorite mentors so far. Yeah, which, you know, the bar is low. <laughs> yeah, the bar's low. Like, he made some mistakes, but he kind of grows into it, you know? Yeah, I, he's definitely, yeah, I've kind of run out of things to say about Bill. Bill, Bill good. Bill, Bill good. good. <laughs> uh, so uh, our next kind of big talking point on the uh, allies and last talking point is Miss Angela Fairweather, a.k.a. Science Lady. Yeah. Why doesn't she have her doctorate, a bad Power Ranger tradition? Yeah, because it's just like, we did notice that. It's just like, why is it that there's so many, like, women in Power Rangers that are clearly, like, you know, super smart scientists, but do not have their doctorate yet, or do not have their doctorate at all? Yeah, it's like... like, Because that woman should be Dr. Angela Fairweather. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like... Was she working on it? Like, what's going on here? Is, is is it that she just did not have the money academically to pursue that until Lightspeed Rescue, and she's working on it or something? Like, we can we can fit something in there. I mean, entirely possible. Yeah, she's actually the first time we see a separate person entirely from the Rangers. Yeah, Billy and and Zio kind of counts, but he was a veteran ranger and then went to an auxiliary role. She was just flat out an auxiliary character uh, with the designer of tech and their weaponry and all that. Yeah. So, and like, she definitely has a personality beyond I'm smart lady. Like, she is, you know, we see her being very sarcastic with Joel. Um, We see her kind of like, putting her like she's very determined as well yeah like her her life doesn't just revolve around i i create the science like she wants to like make sure that what she's doing is like good and thorough but she also just gives joel all the shit for like him continuously hitting on her yeah um i think like uh there's like a couple episodes where she ends up kind of being the damsel but it's more of like the monster doesn't capture her it's just she was doing her fucking job and then it you know shit happened yeah like yeah there's definitely been a couple of times like especially if the monsters infiltrate the base where it's just like i think especially in the in that you know body swap episode Uh, it's not just infiltrate because they rarely do it was also like they would go on where she's testing on the field or something and they'll just be like what's up we can actually attack you right now yeah because like um because that there's that one episode where she gets frozen she gets trapped in a volcano and then that one episode with the infiltration she actually like you know basically the uh, olympias like like it, pretending to be joel like basically tries to hold her hostage uh there's the volcano episode yeah because he realizes the jig is up yeah and then the volcano episode where she kind of gets trapped in a volcano and shit yeah joel rescues her yeah and the reason i think she got trapped was because she was she was doing something i think to make sure everybody else was gonna get out yeah if i remember correctly that that was what happened um so yeah she she kind of has a bit of a brave personality uh and yeah she's very sarcastic so something that we found out about her while we were working on this well rather her actress that she was played by 1995's miss mississippi monica renee lawrence which kind of just explains how she is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah. Like, of course, she's a beauty queen. Yeah, and she's still gorgeous, by the way. It's just like, 
holy shit, this lady is very gorgeous. And it's like, oh, she was a uh, pageant girl. That's probably why. Yeah, um, it's, I'm a little sad that she wasn't from Louisiana because then I could do the Miss Louisiana, yeah. like the same way Carrie Fisher does when talking about her th- second stepmother. <laughs> no, I guess technically third. <laughs> If you count Elizabeth Taylor in there. It's like, she's like, she's 19, like, she's only a few years older than me and she calls me dear. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Yeah, um, so this is the, uh, let's talk about that incest episode with Clark. Yeah, okay. So, um, this episode has the same energy as that Christmas Folgers commercial. You know the one I'm talking about. So basically there's this whole episode where like, they need to, they're get, trying to get some help, I believe, on, um, was it the Omega Megazord, or was it? It's not a Battleizer, was there Battle Boosters? Yeah, it might, might have been. The Mega Battles, was that? The Mega, yeah, the Mega, mega Battles. Yeah. Uh, that, that Chad and Joel got. Mega Battle Armor, that was it. Sorry, it was the Mega Battle Armor. Yeah, basically, she, like, she designs all the boosters that get turned into toys later. You know this. But anyway, so, so she brings on this guy that she, his name is just Clark. And they keep talking about how great Clark is and, like, to help design this battle armor. And so Joel gets the impression that, like, this is just another, like, guy that she's into. And, like, eventually he tries to, like... You know, he tries to, like, interrupt their dates and, like, basically he just, he's, like, he's the green-eyed jealousy monster throughout the entire episode. And then, like, towards the end or he's just, like, oh, you really do care about him, don't you? Okay, I'll, I'll leave you alone. I won't stand in the way anymore. You deserve a good boyfriend. And she's, like, boyfriend? That was my brother. And we're all, like, Aah! Because, like, okay, Power Rangers has done this type of misunderstanding before. Like, it happened last season with Kai and the one girl that he thought was getting married, but she was going to her brother's, like, wedding or something like that. And how it happened was, like, she was just having dinner with somebody. Right. And, you know, that was Kai's fault for kind of interpreting that as a date. Plus, like, he did mention the fact that she was going to a wedding. And so he just assumed that the dress that she was picking up for the wedding was a wedding dress, not like a bridesmaid dress or anything like that. Yes. (laughs) But this one, like, they just very heavily imply that Clark is somebody that she's either dating or is like interested in the first thing you see is like he brings her this huge bouquet of flowers and the entire time she's just like oh clark clark it's so great to see you i like clark you're so brilliant clark 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 which the hilarious thing about clark is that like we just thought he was a stuntman that they put in a suit at first because he's very muscular and has a bad haircut (laughs) Yeah, and, like, and very broad. Like, he looks like somebody Vince McMahon would salivate over. Yeah, like, this, that guy would, like, come out of the Performance Center and, like, Vince McMahon would push his ass straight to the moon. Yeah. And and, and it kind of, like, and then they would, uh, one of the things is, like, they kind of did things that kind of were kind of couple-coded, I guess, but especially the, like, heading out and eating somewhere in their car. Yeah, and, like, this convertible that, like, Joel is following them because, of course, Joel is following them. It's like he sees that they're eating when a convertible with the top down. And, like, he basically get, uh, enlists Chad to help him turn on the sprinkler so that that way they'll get wet. Uh, Clark just rolls up the, the hood of the, the convertible and, like, Angela's like, oh, you're brilliant. It's like he's just putting up the hood of the car. It's not that, it's not that, uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, it's like... 
Yeah, it's like, I wonder if the person who wrote that episode knew it, how, how siblings actually interacted. Yes. <sighs> I have to, like, assume whenever something like that happens, they just don't know, or, like, they haven't interacted with their siblings since they were children. They either forgot, or that is their kink right there, and we have to witness it at a kid's show. Oh, God, don't, I don't want to think about that too hard. <laughs> uh, Let's not think about that one. Yeah. But yeah, that's that, that episode is just the Folgers commercial of Power Rangers. <laughs> anyway, so she does eventually get with Joel in the end, but first he has to learn to respect her and her boundaries. Yeah. The whole, like, just being, like, a complete, like, horn dog over Miss Fairweather does kind of chill out a bit after, like, the whole incest episode. Yeah. They go still kind of flirt with her, but it isn't, like, overtly hardcore. Yeah, he's not being a complete horn, uh, cartoonish level horn dog, just being like, like Miss Fairweather, <laughs> hello, nurse. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, like Fair- Miss Fairweather's great. Um, she she teaches Joel a lesson a few different times. Uh, so I guess now we move on to our villains, who are really the plot drivers of this entire series. As much as Vipra didn't really do anything to drive the plot, we needed to mention her because, oh my god! Mm, yeah, uh, I think I, I, I think I warned you about Jennifer Yen's acting, and I'd seen some of it too. Yeah, but my god, I okay. Just first of all, I doubt Jennifer Yen is listening to our podcast, but like. She seems like she's a pretty cool person. Like, sounds like she kind of got more into being an entrepreneur later in life, is a mom to her kids. Like, good for her. Oh my god, she is the worst actress I have ever seen on Power Rangers, and that is saying something. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're even including some of the children. Yeah, oh, and there's been some really bad child actors on this series, but she is just, she is bad. Um, basically there, she is there to look pretty and match up the Sentai actress for whenever they need to use the Sentai footage. And, um, her acting is just so, there are times where I'm just like, is her acting getting worse somehow? Because, uh, okay. Yeah, you mentioned this. I'll let you go on. Yeah, so Melody Perkins, when she was playing Astronema, when she started, she was pretty bad. Not Viper level bad, but she was pretty bad. But th- as the series progressed and the more she got to play, like, Astronema slash Corone, her acting did get better. I'm not saying that she's going to win any Oscars for, you know, playing, like, Astronema or Corone, But, you know, her acting got pretty decent. I don't know how, but, like, her acting somehow managed to get worse as the series went <laughs> on. <laughs> it's just like, she would deliver lines and have no infliction or anything in them. Yeah, There's so many that I'm just like, I'm trying to remember a specific one that just made us go, what the fuck? There's several, like her screaming. Like not even her screaming is convincing. (laughs) Yeah, my my all-time favorite is Kring Banshee will rise again. Again. (laughs) Again. It's just like, what? Like, I don't even think stilted is a way to describe that delivery. Whoever her acting coach is... I hope he does not, he or she or they do not have work anymore. Yeah, um, because clearly they did, they did not know what they were doing. It's like, did she get her acting coach from an MLM? (laughs) Possibly. So, yeah, but, uh, the funniest thing about her was, like, 
Well, not the funniest thing besides her acting is that she has it. Uh, she rolls around in something called a vipari. Oh God, I love this thing. It's just basically a dune buggy, like tricked out to be like with demon features on it, <laughs> and like a toy Gatling gun on the roof. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. We love the vipari. <laughs> the vipari is like a distilled thing of everything we love goofy about Power Rangers. It truly is. It's like, it, it's our header for this month, which I will have, oh, definitely change after we get started on our next episode. But yeah, after all of her terrible acting and uh, her trying to drive the plots along, which she does not do great, uh, she kind of goes out on a real whimper. Like, she gets killed off like four episodes from the end. <laughs> which I thought it was like three episodes from the end. I was off by one episode. Yeah, and we're just like, oh, she, is she dead? She's gone. She's gone. Huh. Yeah, basically like Queen Madshira says, you suck at your job and absorbs her back in her body. Yeah, and like the entire time she's, again, that's when we mentioned like her screams aren't even convincing because like she's trying to scream and like, horror as like Banshira like basically like you know eats her and she just is like ah! Ah! <laughs> and then she's gone yeah and we don't have to worry about her again until apparently like next season i don't think her acting gets better by the way oh god <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah as we mentioned with queen Banshira, um kind of like let's talk about her as well as uh Prince Olympias, who starts his office Empus, basically her 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 garbage son. Yeah. I kind of at the end of the series, I was just kinda of like, huh, and she's like a CEO. Like they're a company, because obviously she has her bratty kid that doesn't that uh, that's only there for nepotism and underlings that are, you know, basically she's she's taking all their credit and shit. Yeah, and she's basically pitting them against each other for, like, power and position within her, like, her reign. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I haven't actually watched the HBO series Succession, but I'm just thinking of, like, the song that Demi uh, Edijube, um, which I'm probably still pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. Uh, he wrote a song, he's the same guy who does the, the September 21st, like, videos every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a, a, a theme song, well, he wrote... Uh, lyrics to the Succession theme song, which is a show on HBO for those who, who don't know. Uh, and basically, it's the whole thing about, like, uh, the rich kids are going to argue and one of them will win a kiss from daddy. <laughs> and um, basically, that's the entire vibe of Banshira and her demons, is that basically they're, like, the demons are all trying to win a kiss from Banshira. <laughs> yeah. And you, you may, you, I'll let you make this reference, because it's great. So, uh, Banshira, for the first part of the series especially, she's kind of the Panther Zora. Um, before she's able to kind of manifest herself into, like, her limited form uh, halfway through the series. Like, she's, like, she's kind of like the traditional Panther Zora role that kind of has gotten a little phased out with more recent adaptations of Cutie Honey. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're kind of, the demons are just trying to work towards appeasing Banshira to give her enough energy that she'll be able to make manifest into their world again and therefore take over the world. Um, but for the first part of the series, she's not really something you see. She's like, she's kind of like an outside force that everyone's working for. And then she shows up and she's basically just a fucking CEO, which the Panther Zora doesn't really do, but oh! also kind of because Zora just really wants like jewels and gold and riches because that's a thing that people are concerned about when they are uh, extra dimensional beings. (laughs) 
I'm just imagining Banshee right now just saying my bonitis at the end. <laughs> yeah, she's 80s guy. But also, you thought we were done with cutie honey. I just crossed my arms. Like, bitch, you thought. Bitch, you thought we were done with cutie honey. We were never done with cutie honey if I had my way with it. But Olympias, uh, when he first shows up, he's the he's a baby named Empus, and he's just kind of weak. The kid, like everyone but Diabolico, like kind of goes to Impus. I think Impus just makes a monster, quote unquote. But I think it's like Jinx Jinxer that does it. He's like, oh look at how smart Impus is. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's just you, you weird spectacle bitch. Yeah, they're just kind of treating him like. It's like how I imagine like um, people who are like in countries that were run by child emperors, like how they would treat like the child emperors, just like oh look at how brilliant our emperor is when like the, all the real work is being done by like you know a king regent or a queen regent. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's Diabolico and an actual baby. Like like Impus has a pacifier. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it was around the time uh, Ryan uh, turns good. Is Impus goes and. Tra- it basically goes into a killer cocoon, which I will note we wrote in the notes with with K's. Which I don't understand that reference. <laughs> I, I just thought it looked cool. Like, you know. Okay. Like 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 an 80s villain. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, Confirm, Jules is a weirdo. I was saying, he, was, he goes into this cocoon, and uh, the quote from Ryan was, and it was said in, like, this dead, serious, obviously hefty moment, he's gonna be worse than 10 Diabolicos. Yeah. She's just like, Diabolico has not done pretty great so far. So I guess 10 divided by like 10 times zero, still zero. (laughs) But anyway. Also in the same series, a line was delivered in all seriousness. A gazillion spores are going to come out of these flowers. Uh, Yes, the the, the killer plants episode, which is just like, after watching like... um, Little Shop of Horrors recently for the first time. I'm just like, don't feed the plants. Don't feed the plants. Don't feed the plants. <laughs> feed me, Seymour. Feed me. Sorry. That's all right. Sometimes I quote that with Coda because he's like, I want to be fed. That's <laughs> Coda. We, we are still talking about Jay's cat, not the Power Ranger. Yeah, Lupius enters the picture and just kind of gets into this rivalry. Mm-hmm. And it's like the main source of tension for a long time. Until Diabolico is kind of like, quote unquote, killed in power or something. And basically like the star power that Diabolico had goes to Olympias. Yeah. Which I think is kind of the turning point. Mo- not not the full turning point moment for like Olympia. Not Olympias. Diabolico. It's, yeah, it's not the full turning point moment for Diabolico. But it is kind of the start of just like, hey, I fucking hate this job. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of just go through the series. Uh, Diabolico, of it, like, again, eventually comes back and all. But, uh, right, this is, like, all right before Queen Banshee just goes bugfuck crazy when she's summoned into this world and just decides to kill all her subordinates, except for the simp Jinxer and Olympias. Right. Uh, all Jinxer is is a simp. Yeah, I and mean, they're all, she, she admits they're all skating on thin ice, um, but, like, yeah, Jinxer definitely, like, keeps his job because he's just a total fucking simp for, uh, <laughs> for Banshee. Yeah, he, he is a simp lord. Yeah. And we never find out what happened to. He just disappears. Yeah, he just, I assume he might have just died in, in the Sentai, but who knows? Yeah. I'm sure somebody who's watched the Sentai is just like, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, so Banshira, um, yeah, she, 
yeah, she goes crazy, and Olympias is eventually killed in battle dur- during the final bit, and I think in a Zord fight. And then uh, she's ultimately destroyed. Very compl- It's very complicated, but first she is kicked into the portal to hell that she's opening to let the demons kind of go and take over the world. So she's kicked into the portal by Carter. Right. Carter, you know, seems fine and everything until she, she grabs him and pulls him in, and it's basically like... If I'm going to this hell dimension, you're going with me. And then, um, when she's she's basically trying to save herself and basically throw Carter into the pit. Right. Diabolico, the ghost of Diabolico comes up out of nowhere. And she's like, oh, yes, help me kill this human. And Diabolico goes, fuck you, bitch. And basically, like, kind of, not, it's like a ghost kick. But kind of kicks her and, like, basically she falls to her death and it looks like she's basically eaten by all the demons in the in the tomb. Yeah. She's dead. Like, she's just fucking dead. <laughs> like, do, do you want me to admit the time where I was just like, oh, she's not hot anymore? Yes! <laughs> okay, so, like, Banshira, when she first shows up, she's just sort of like a moving coffin. And she kind of had this whole vibe of, like, oh, God, what was her name? Morgana from, uh, from Gargoyles? Mm-hmm. You know, the one that kind of had the punk rock haircut? Yeah. She's kind of hot in, like, that shoujo vi- uh, villainous way. And then, like, she gains her power back, and, like, they added way too many teeth. And it's like, oh, she's not hot anymore. <laughs> Maybe she's hot to people who like teeth, but yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, I mean, if that's your kink and you're into that, then by all means, have a great time. Just not, not, not for me. Yeah. Like, give me a little bit of that edge, but not the, not the, uh, gonna bite my head off during sex edge, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we now move on to kind of the other two kind of villains that, that drive the plot along, which is Diabolico and Loki. Loki is spelled like Loki, but it's pronounced Loki. Yeah, I'm like, it's not even that they're trying to avoid a, like, a copyright suit or anything, because, like, Loki is technically not under like any sort of copyright like i'm sure like the specific marvel presentation of loki is yeah because you know he is a particular character but like you know if you have a character that's just named loki and is not resembling like loki the the asgardian from uh from marvel comics in any way then it's not shouldn't really be an issue but instead they just insist like no his name is loki and I was like, were you guys just trying to be cool? <laughs> trying to be cool. It's spelled Loki, but it's pronounced Loki. But also Loki's just super dumb. So it's like, why are you even trying to be edgy if he's just going to be kind of like this season's like idiot. Um, Man child villain. <sighs> fuck. Yeah, like, I was like, I kind of, my brain blanked out on who to compare him to, and I guess he's more like Rito. Yeah, he's like Rito, and he even has kind of that weird, goofy voice. He's kind of a mix of Rito and later season Goldar. Yeah, so it's like, why, so why did you give him like an edgy, cool-sounding name if he was just going to be a complete idiot? But anyway, um, so yeah, he's very ambitious, but also dumb, as we mentioned. And we're kind of kind of lumping him together with Diabolico because they are kind of tied together in a way. But also because Loki doesn't get, really get much character outside of just being kind of the idiot. <laughs> um, so Diabolico kind of has that rivalry with Empus and Olympias. Um, I think because he's just very jealous of the kind of nepotism that goes into... Um, how Olympus is treated. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's absolutely there. Oh, yeah. Which is just kind of hilarious because it's like initially, like, 
is it like assumed by some people that he's supposed to be the father of um of Impus? Th- that's what I read. It's like some people. It's a fan theory that he was actually Impus's father, especially since like everyone seems to just go to him as a leader. And I'm like, well, it could be. It also just could be, you know, he's kind of the brains because the other guy's Lokai and the other guy is a simp, and the other one is Vipra. Yeah, so they're all just a bunch of idiots, and he's the only one there with brain cells. Um, or whatever the demon equivalent of brain cells is. But yeah, it's like, if if he was, like, the father of Impus, it would have added this, like, interesting Oedipus complex, I guess. Yeah. But also, like, and right now it just seems like, well, I fucking hate that baby, he's gotta die. <laughs> Fuck them kids, as Diabolico once said. Yeah. <laughs> So Diabolico, he has the star power first, and he ends up losing it in a fight with the Rangers, and then eventually Banshee is like, you can't have the star power, I'm giving it to Olympias, or Impus. I forget, I forget what he was being referred to as at the time, but still. I think it was, I think it was the star power that uh, made Impus evolve into Olympias. Okay. And, like, it's a whole thing of, like, that she'll threaten to give the star power back to Diabolico whenever, like, uh, Olympias is fucking up. Yeah. So, basically, it's like, like, your mom with your PS, like, your PS3. (laughs) Or, you know, however old you were with your first game system and your mom's like, like, I, like, you better behave or I'm taking away, like, your, your, your SNES or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your PlayStation. But, mom! (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, he was kind of the de facto leader when uh, Banshira was weak and could not exist really in any dimension. So yeah. So where does this fall with Lokai, who just kind of putzes around? Well, they have a weird bond that really kind of culminates in the next like last arc. Mm-hmm. And it, it basically Lokai goes up to Diabolico and gives Lokai and gives Diabolico a gift, and Diabolico like accepts it and he's like oh wow this is actually very nice thank you you are an honorable monster and then like i'm forgetting the details but the rangers get trapped in the dimension or something through olympias lokai like basically is used as a human shield via olympias or something mm-hmm. no it, it like had to do with like queen bad is basically like, i want them both dead and basically use like lokai to do it and um uh, Lokai just dies in Diabolico's arms, and this is really intense gay moment, followed by five timed explosions as Lokai died. Yeah, it was just like, why, why do we need that many explosions to indicate that he's dead? <laughs> like, why do we need an explosion at all? But, because, you know, this is... This was technically the Sentai footage, so, you know, it's Sentai. We gotta just blow shit up. We gotta blow shit up. <laughs> it was also the turning point for Diabolico, because you realize it's like, oh, well... Queen Banshee is just gonna kill everybody at this point, so fuck her. Yeah, so it's so like I think he traps Olympus in that dimension, actually. Yeah, basically, he at some point he does get captured by Olympus, and he gets and he gets brainwashed. But then, like, he overcomes his brainwashing to remember who he is and why he's like banding against like Olympus and Banshee. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Banshee is just every time I say it, I'm like, it sounds like a fucking like like Thundercats villain, you know? <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. 
eventually he's like he's brainwashed for like an episode and then remembers who he is and then i think he does he doesn't he die after that point uh he gets blown up by the rangers i think because he was like supersized right yeah i think uh, yeah i think he kind of goes out on like he unfortunately goes out like like he doesn't really get to stand with the rangers that much but you know he still gets the last laugh in the end when like he his spirit just knocks like Shira into hell <laughs> oh my goodness so you know what? It all worked out. <laughs> all worked out. And that was Days of Our Monsters. Yeah. We're now into kind of rounding out some of the more things we want to talk about that didn't have to do with the characters. The first thing uh, we kind of were like found interesting uh, was like Ryan and Carter had a bit of a thing. It felt like there was the whole thing with Diabolico and Loki. Just Kelsey. And as we kept pointing out, this show just felt like it was gayer than before. Yeah. Gayer than before. <laughs> but seriously, like this, like we can't, we, I know we make kind of gay jokes about, and when I say gay jokes, I mean, we're like, we're two gay people joking about how this series is gay. Yeah. And which everybody knows, like Power Rangers has a very strong gay following as evidenced by the fact that like whoever runs the Power Rangers Twitter definitely knows who Trixie Mattel and Katya Zamatlochikova are. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, this particular series is kind of the gayest series so far. <laughs> yeah, the the gayest so far we have covered. Yeah. What was it? One of the things that's like, I hope Ryan and Carter get a nice house and a dog. Yeah, like let let, let them have a nice life after this, you know? Yeah. Cause and and that and I really didn't ship that until like this watching, and it just has to do with like Ryan, like Carter being so concerned about like. Ryan and then also may have you know part of the reason why he knows uh, Ryan had that tattoo is because Carter just kind of walks in on him casually changing his shirt you're just standing there why are you just standing there <laughs> you're like oh wow Captain Mitchell's son is hot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like just imagining the awkward like dinner when he's like hey so dad I'm dating um Carter from when you were like running a Power Rangers team <laughs> the awkward I see Ryan going to Dana first about this. And, like, Dana's chill because, like, she's friends with, with Carter. They're good friends. Yeah. And I'm sure she would be happy. And then, look, it's just harder to go to your dad who, like, you haven't, like, really spent that much time around. Also, this was, like, the kid that looked up to him as a firefighter. Right. And you're just like, I'm dating your son. It's like, oh. Like, I, I, Captain Mitchell would probably eventually be cool with it, but I think he would just feel a little awkward. Like, oh, this is, this is awkward. Yeah. I, I thought we were done with being a ranger team, but I guess we're a ranger team again. Right. So, and like, as we mentioned before, there's kind of a lot that's going on that could be expanded in uh, supplemental canon. Like, because we know they've done a few of those comics for Boom that are kind of expanding on certain things, like the Psychopath or... Um, Soul of the Dragon or Sins of the Future that's coming out in a couple of months uh, by the time this episode is going to be released. Um, so that, I feel like there's a lot that's going on here that's like a good wealth of material that could be kind of expanded on. And I would like to see that sometime in the future is like kind of give Lightspeed a little bit more, not not to say that it's not deep. Well, it's not deep. It's Power Rangers. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like there's a little bit more you can give a lot of depth to um with the right writing and team behind it. Yeah, because there, there, there are so many nuggets of, like, 
Well, this could be expanded upon. And if you, you're a fanfic writer, go ahead and expand upon them. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, wow. It And Lightspeed Rescue is well-liked by fandom. It's one of those, like, seasons that typically keeps a solid needle on liked by most people. It, it's, you know. Right. I know it's, like, seasons come and go in terms of, like, what people like and dislike. Um, like, recently I found out people really like Wild Force. And I'm like, wow, I remember when people hated the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Lightspeed Rescue, like my experience of being a fandom for so long has always been just like people like it. Like they don't love it, love it. There are people who love the shit out of it. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's generally like, oh, yeah, I like that season. You know, people don't look at it and like dump on the season as one of the worst, typically. Right. That There's, you know, an audience for it and everything to really go into like, Huh, what are the Mitchells like now, especially since it's all over and Ryan probably has de- has that PTSD to deal with. Right. You know, maybe a little bit more into Carter becoming a firefighter. What, what more can we go into, like, Joel and Miss Fairweather's relationship? You know, there, there's so much that kind of, there's hints at that you could expand upon there. Oh, yeah. So I would like to see it. I'd like to see it, too. One of the things we I, I mentioned when I was talking to you, it's like, yeah, the characters, the characters are flat for the most part, mm-hmm. but you don't feel it as much as season one of Power Rangers. And I feel like it's one of the reasons, and we kind of put everybody ribs. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's because they actually, they feel like people. They don't feel like idealized versions of teenagers or whatever. They're, they're They have, you know, feelings and like jealousy and happiness they all kind of playfully rib on each other like a group of friends kind of do sometimes. Yeah. Like, they, they you know, like well, go on. Now, I know I was just agreeing with you in terms of like, yeah, it's like even if like we don't really get to see much of who they are as people, they still feel like people. Like, I could, they're people that I would like maybe want to hang out with or get to know better. Yeah. It just surprised me, like, because I'm going like, yeah, the characters are flat, but why do I like them as opposed to like season one where we're just like, oh my God, there's nothing to hear. And especially Rocky with season two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rocky's there. Whereas, like, yeah, these characters are there, but they're, you know, they feel alive. Yeah. And this series feels alive, too, because of it. Yeah. Like, they did a very good job of kind of, like, establishing a lived-in universe instead of just being like, okay, we're just gonna have, like, these stereotypes, like, fight against evil. Yeah. And not really go into, like, what you know, what Mariner Bay is like or what kind of the vibe around, like, the um, command center is like. Like, because even, like, the times you do see kind of background characters, like, there seems to be kind of a familiarity between everybody who's working on Lightspeed. And they also don't make the... Even though, like, a couple instances where it makes it feel small, it really doesn't feel all that too small of, like, well, everyone happens to know everybody. It's like, no, Mar- people in Mariner Bay are, like, they, they see the Power Rangers and they're like, oh, well, that's clearly a Power Ranger. Or even though their identities are known, like, sometimes they don't even know who they really are. Like, the girl who Carter goes up to it with, you know, the lady was like, there's no such thing as monsters during the crossover episode. She really, th- she kind of... Knew who the Lightspeed Rescue Rangers were, but were like, she didn't recognize Carter off the bat, you know? Right. Not only the characters of universes, but, like, there's a huge expansion of universe out there where, you know, things don't feel contrivedly put together, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, and even with, like, the Lost Galaxy crossover, like, the only contrivance I really had an issue with was, oh, you're the Lost Galaxy Rangers. It's just like, okay, that, it just felt like kind of out of nowhere, especially because, like, it felt like there, this was so separate from, like, Angel Grove and what other things Power Rangers have been doing, but, like, but other than that, like, it didn't feel, like, super contrived in the sense of, like, oh, we're just gonna force this. It's like, okay, that would kind of make sense that, like, a group of rangers that were basically working on a space station that went out to explore, like, the galaxy would, yeah. they would know who they are. Like, it, it, that was easier to kind of justify yeah. than say, like, if all of a sudden, like, Tommy or any of the, like, Mighty Morphin Rangers showed up. One of the things I will point out with, with the world building, because uh, I mentioned the Aqua Base earlier, is uh, they they have a reason why it's underwater and everything. Mm-hmm. It is because the demons cannot go underwater. There's only like one demon that can do that and Ryan at that point. Right. So it's just like, there's a reason why their base is located the way it is. Right. It has nothing to do with like, oh, Zordon's just a weird space wizard and that's where its command center is. No, they they made it make sense. Yeah, even though we kept on making C Lab twenty twenty one jokes about it. Well, Kurt did. Yeah, who on the team would say they're a sexy otter? Let's be real. Joel. Yeah, Joel would definitely say he's a sexy otter. <laughs> uh, which that, that especially came back in like uh the final episode where we're just like, oh no, base like pod six is is gone, pod six is down, and then like they're just like very seriously in the series like pod four is gone. It's like oh shit. <laughs> At least they didn't go, well, Pod 6 had jerks in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pod, like, everybody in Pod 4 was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I'd like to put it, because we pu- we pointed out with Carter, but almost everybody has, like, a good masculine trope to them. There's nothing toxic, like, hide your feelings and punch shit for manliness. It's mostly, like, when hiding your feelings does show up, it's normally seen as a bad thing. Um, I mean, I will say, like, the the most toxic that you see is, like, Joel's kind of insistence that, like, he's gonna win over Miss Fairweather, but he eventually grows out of it, thankfully. Yeah, it, as we kind of mentioned, like, once he kind of recognized, like, the big shift in that weird episode was more of, like, Joel going, like, Miss Fairweather is her own person, and I need to get over myself. Yeah. And after that, he, he pretty much, like, occasionally flirts with her, but he's not like, hey, sexy mama. Yeah, he's not just obnoxiously trying to, like, win her over when she's just clearly trying to work. Yeah. Which I think eventually it works in his favor. She's like, hey, I want to go out on a date with you if we survive this. And he's just like, we're going to survive this. It's like, we hate Joss Whedon. We made fun of him earlier. But what is it? I was like, I hate to bring this up. But remember, like, that thing with Kaylee at the end of Serenity? Yeah. It's like, the hell with this. I'm going to (laughs) live. Yeah. Again, apparently Joss Whedon just fucking rips off Lightspeed Rescue whole cloth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm absolutely kidding. Do not come at me and say that I'm wrong. (laughs) Joss Whedon will secretly come after us. Oh, whatever. No, he's not Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, he's not Kevin Smith. He's not Kevin Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, Dan Slott. Oh, God. Anyway, um, so as you noted, like, we we mentioned earlier that there's kind of a speed episode, but there's also, like, an episode that's just basically Armageddon. Yeah. (laughs) It starts out kind of like... This it starts out like the Simpsons episode where like Bart discovers a comet, except you know it wasn't like Skinner making Bart watch a telescope. Right. Simon, Joel's cousin, was like, "Hey, check out all this shit I'm inventing." And also, the sc- telescope's really neat. 
And uh, he, he basically discovers a massive asteroid heading towards them. Goes through this whole thing to try to alert Aquabase. And, you know, kind of shenanigans ensue. And then all of a sudden we see, like, Lightspeed Rescue Rangers go off into space. And it, it just, as soon as they suit up to do that, it just turns into Armageddon. <laughs> Was Armageddon even out at that point? Yeah, it, it came out in 1998. Of course! Okay, so, like, they clearly must have had Armageddon in mind when they were, like, writing the episode. And then, like, it just... I kept singing, like, fucking Aerosmith while we were, like, watching it. Don't wanna miss a thing! <laughs> even when I dream of you... Okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, it's out of my system. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so... There's also, like, these two episodes where it just kind of, like, you could see the message they're going for, but it's not, like, being, like, Saban, it's not really delivered particularly well. So there's, like, the episode we mentioned with the bus that was kind of the speed, like, riff, and then there was an episode where, like, Kelsey's, like, trying to, um, she encounters the skateboarder who, like, steals fruit from, like, a a vendor in kind of its open-air market, yeah. I'm um, assuming it's like a farmer's market in the yeah. park or something like that. He ends up stealing this egg that is supposed to hatch like a really terrifying monster. Oh, God, I want to say he was asking for like $20,000 or something like that. Yeah. He's kind of established to be this petty thief. And like, um, Kelsey even calls him as such. And uh, as, But you find out later he's actually, like, this guy that is just trying to take care of the homeless population in his city. And it's just, like, he's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna steal anymore to, like, help people. I'm gonna work hard for it. And I even turned over the money I got to the police. It's like, well, what are the cops gonna do with it? Civil forfeiture? <laughs> what was it? Yeah, I said afterwards you mentioned the civil forfeiture thing. It's like they used the money to buy their own margarita machine. Yeah, pretty much. Um... Yeah, and then and then with the bus episode, it was about a, a basically a man who s- robbed a bank to um, to basically finance his life because he lost his job as a bus driver. He was laid off, and he couldn't think of anything else to do. Right. We then proceeded to make Nick Gage jokes. Yeah, <laughs> like he just gets out of, of prison and becomes a deathmatch wrestler. He's like, I, I I'm the king of this shit. Murder, death, kill all day. <laughs> Like, we just saw the origins of, like, Nick Gage in Power Rangers. Right. Because at the end of it, like, the police come because of the bus jacking. I don't know who called the cops. There was barely cell phones back then. I mean, because he was also on the run from, like, robbing the bank. So they were probably, like, tracking, like, like, they probably figured out where he was going. Yeah. And, like, the people on the bus were trying to, like, oh, hey, you know, he did save us. You know, he's, he's turned a new leaf. And the guy goes... Don't worry, I need to own up to my mistakes. And I'm like, what? You stole the money because you you needed capital to survive. That you weren't like being like a, a, an actual bastard like some people. I'm not naming names Jeff Bezos. You were Jean Valjean. I mean, because basically they tell the cops like, look, he did this, he did this. He was very helpful to us. And I'm sure like Dana could like, be like i don't i don't know if they would pull a character witness in that case like character witnesses as i have learned are mostly like you see them on tv but they rarely ever come up in actual trial but like i'm sure dana as like a witness to like his actions after the carjacking can speak to the fact that like you know he very clearly turned a new leaf 
So, like, but he's still just like, no, I'm, I need to serve my time and, like, own up to my mistakes. And it's just like, man, I get what they're going for, but, like, it just, it felt a little, like, a little bit ham-fisted and kind of fell flat on the message. Yeah. You know, learning from your mistakes are great, but you just kind of, you gave him a very sympathetic story that is just kind of like, he did it because he needed to survive. That's, like, that's the whole beginning of Les Miserables. <laughs> Right, but, you know, since he still robbed a bank, that's a bad thing to do. Quote, quote. <laughs> I was about to say, the, the bad thing of Les though the actual beginning of Les Miserables was, like, the description of the house Valjean stole the silver at uh, after his parole. Right. That's Victor Hugo. Right. Anyway, so, I guess moving on from that, kind of, like, we, we, we talked a little bit about the Lost Galaxy crossover. I guess one thing we didn't mention is that it did feel kind of gimmicky. Yeah, it just kind of felt ham-fisted in. It was one of the episodes that just feel like it didn't fit. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I felt like the writing on it kind of felt like they were kind of just writing it just in case anybody who was like, had maybe like watched Lost Galaxy but hadn't watched Lightspeed Rescue was coming back to watch like this crossover. Because it's kind of acting like nobody knows who the Power Rangers are in town or like that Mariner, Evil and Mariner Bank aren't as familiar with them. yeah. The, the contrivance of like oh Trakina is back from the dead and we need to prevent her from turning into her green form and it's like how did Trakina survive yeah and then come to earth yeah and it's like after all of this was this kind of soft reboot of like we're gonna do like a power rangers season that doesn't really involve anybody kind of from that extension of angel grove and then immediately bring in the Lost Galaxy Rangers. Well, not immediately, but kind of bring in the Lost Galaxy Rangers. It just kind of felt weird. I forgot to really go into this, but I do know that they had a lot of hiccups getting the actors back, which is why Drakina doesn't sound right, because that's not her. Right. And then, like, we had this whole debate over, like, well, when did, like, because, like, the first episode only has, like, Kai, Leo, and Maya, and then the second episode has Kendricks and um, Damon. And I, I was just like, wait, hang on. When did Kendricks and Damon show up? And we got into this whole debate about whether they showed up in the previous episode or not. We determined that they didn't. Yeah. Like, I think there's a scene where you see them drawing the laser sabers. That's it. That's all it is. It's like this quick, uh, like, five-second scene where they're drawing the quasar sabers. Yeah. And then we also tried to figure out for, like, the like the longest time, like, where the fuck is Corone? Because, like, we know that, like, Kendricks came back at the end of Lost Galaxy. Um, she came back from the dead, but we were just like, hang on, like, is she technically the Pink Ranger again? Like, what's going on? And we then realized that, like, there is that retcon of Corone, like, traveling across the galaxy to kind of repent for her actions from um, the psychopath. So it's like, okay, at least they, like, we can at least explain it away with that. Yeah. But yeah, it just, like, that episode just felt kind of weird. And I'm like, as much as, like, it was fun to see the Lost Galaxy Rangers again, I'm not certain if, like, this episode was really needed. For me, uh, and it's just stated, it's like, Power Rangers doesn't really have filler episodes. It has kind of more character progression episodes, episodes that focus around the character that minorly deal with the plot, but it's mostly there to kind of give a character an arc. Right. But there are filler episodes in Power Rangers. We're going to run into a fun one uh, with with the next season. But this one, it, it felt like a filler episode. Just didn't really advance much plot or anything, especially since it was mainly focused around Drakina and not Banshira or anything. Yeah. 
I've seen a lot of the crossovers. I think this was them trying to figure out the new formula of crossovers because they, they dabbled with it and, um, what's it? They dabbled it with it in In Space with, like, showing a continuation of what happened to Justin and Adam. Uh, to the Tenth Power was, um, in Lost Galaxy to kind of show what happened to them and maybe perhaps do, like, showing up with, um, having a new Pink Ranger and then you you get this one. It's just kind of like, what what are you trying to prove here? Yeah, it's like, why did we need the Lost Galaxy Rangers to come back? Besides, oh, we just want to have a little episode where the Lost Galaxy Rangers come back. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and whereas the other like team, this is the weird like the weakest team up episode I feel. Um, out of the kind of classical team up episodes, it's just it's it's like. It's just there to be pandering. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion there because we haven't really gotten to any of the... Well, I mean, because we had, the, like, the older team-ups, but in terms of, like, the new era team-ups post, like, the Zordon era, because I'll, I'll count Lost Galaxy as, like, a final, like, blow of the Zordon era. Yeah, I, I'm like, other than that, I don't really have an opinion on what they're trying to do here besides, eh, it just felt weird. Felt weird. Really, team-up episodes are... Th- they, they are they just become a staples from that time period only a few seasons like really don't do a team up you know most of them are just kind of they're like this you can just kind of write them off the final thing i kind of would like to note is like the weaponry of this season is a lot like what it, it was it's the train megazord that's finished it's the second one they get and its finisher is literally like a gatling gun turbine and missiles yeah, and it's just like, damn, Miss Fairweather, okay. There was also, like, the Life Force one, where it drained their life force. Yeah, so they only use them, like, the last episode or so. Like, it's not a major component until, like, the end. It just felt like they had a new, like, power-up or a new Zord or a new, like, weapon. Like, not every episode, but at least, like, every third episode. Yeah. And I'm like, man, they really want to sell those toys, huh? And, uh, so this is... It's kind of a quick story about two years ago. It was basically when I was home from work. Basically, you gotten into Dino Charge through me watching it. And we just started watching and you really liked it. So I was moving on to Lightspeed Rescue because, you know, it's kind of a comfort season and all that. Mm-hmm. You would you would kind of come in because uh, you work uh, at the time remotely. You still do, but yeah. different job. Yeah, different job. You would just kind of come in every now and then when you were on break or something and just... You, you weren't hating it, but you were just kind of making funny comments because you you didn't grow up with tokusatsu like I did. Right. And I was just like, you want to do a podcast? Because I like that you have this fresh perspective on Power Rangers that almost nobody really does. Yeah, and the fact that this all popped up over the ladder arms on the like their main zord of all things. Yeah, because you were just like, that is fucking stupid. Yeah, I was just like, I, I don't know why I had such a visceral hatred of the ladder arms when I watched it with Jay. And I was just like, I, I hate this. this. This is terrible. Why is this happening? And apparently that was enough for Jay to suggest us doing this podcast, which... Like, just to be kind of sentimental, it has changed my life a little bit. Um, I never would have expected that I would actually enjoy Power Rangers now. I, I was initially a little hesitant when Jay suggested to it. Sorry, Jules. Jules suggested doing this. Uh, just because, like, 
I never grew up with it. I mean, I enjoyed Dino Charge, but I wasn't certain if, like, I was going to enjoy the rest of it. Yeah. This is this has been fun, and I've really enjoyed doing it. And I look forward to doing more of it as we go forward. And But, yeah, those ladder arms are still really stupid. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and then it didn't help that when we started watching for it, it was season one. Yeah. Oh, God. But, no, the... Yeah. It's it, It's gotten slightly better. Minus turbo. Um, yeah, minus turbo. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is the season that started it all. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad we finally got to cover it officially. And now that we're going to move on to greener pastures, quote, maybe? I don't know. Yep. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Time Force, so I'm, fi- I'm very excited to finally get to Time Force next yeah. month. So I guess this comes with the last bit of our podcast of our like recommendation of the series. And we've really liked this season. Yeah, definitely. While it's not my favorite of all time, uh, this season feels like like a comfortable pair of pants. As I said, like it's not a deep season or anything, but it's entertaining and it's paced really well. And while I don't think it's a tour de force of what the series can do, there's a lot of those. It's just a solidly good season. Like, I would definitely recommend watching it, especially since you don't need to have much backstory to anything. You can just jump right into it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this season really felt like watching a dumb but fun action movie from the late 90s, early 2000s. The characters aren't especially deep, and sometimes the plot setups made me laugh out loud, as well as those Zord arms. But it managed to be a fun time all around and didn't feel like a slog at any point. Out of all the things we've done so far, like we've officially covered, it's definitely been one of my favorites. All right. Well, um, that is going to be it for this episode. So as always, uh, you can check out some of our friends and support them. Like our, um, our amazing composer of our theme song, Kate Nix. You can find her on Twitter at I am Kate Nix as well as katenix.com, where you can find her band camp, as she says in some of her promos, <laughs> uh, merch, and her streaming on, uh, now it's going to be streaming on Twitch. She's going to be cutting out Facebook at the end of this month when we're recording, but by the time this episode's out, she's going to be no longer streaming on Facebook. Uh, she's currently in the middle of, as of this recording, doing her season three zen of the Lullaby Lounge on Tuesday evenings at 8 uh, so you can check her out there and um, any updates that she has about any streaming in the future. You can always just see on her, her Twitter page. She does the replay on uh, Thursdays. Yes, yes. So she does, thir- uh, yeah. So in at four o'clock e- uh, Eastern time, she does replays of the Lullaby Lounge. Um, and you can watch previous Lullaby Lounges on her YouTube page. And then as always, like we always want to thank Joe Hunter for our amazing artwork. He was the only person we ever had in mind when we decided that we were going to do this podcast. Um, so you can find him on uh, Threadless at joehunter.threadless on Instagram at joebloodyhunter. Uh, and Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter, as well as his Patreon, which is Joe underscore Hunter. He's been working on Beast Heart Strikers with uh, writer Land Pitts, which they just released their second issue on Comixology, so you can read it there. And I think they also did a uh, interview with, I believe, um, was it IGN? It was like, yeah, it was one of those sites. I don't think it was IGN. It was IO9 or something? Yes, it was IO9. Yes, they just had an interview with IO9. Um, we will put that in the show notes for you to read. Uh, we're a little bit behind on the show notes, but we'll get those updated as soon as possible. And so, yeah, just go check him out. We love him dearly. And um, we also have Kurt Yoder, who is our editor. We're always grateful for him and his input. 
Um, especially when we're watching the series, some of his jokes really get us through the the night. Uh, so you can find his perlers online at um, Great SG Creations on Etsy or uh, The Great SG on Twitter. Just contact him directly there. I know sometimes he also hosts other streaming, which he'll just post about whenever you follow him on Twitter. So yeah, just check him out. And uh, as always, we have our wrestler of the podcast in this week, or this month rather, it is O'Shea Edwards, uh, the big bad kaiju, formerly of Atlanta, now living in Philadelphia, but still gets to come back down south occasionally. So fun fact about O'Shea is that he used to be a firefighter uh, a long time ago. And by a long time ago, I probably, I mean, last decade. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we thought he was going to be appropriate wrestler to cover for, um, for this episode that involves firefighters and other rescue, rescue ops. Yeah. So you can find him on Twitter at Big Bad Kaiju. I believe that is his Instagram as well. He is one of the most undersung indie talents running right now. So you should go definitely check him out and throw him your money. Big Bad Kaiju, O'Shea Edwards, hell yeah. Uh, you can find me, uh, as always, on uh, Twitter and Instagram at, at MissKittyF. Uh, you can still purchase my works on Gumroad as well, which I believe that is uh, gumroad.com slash Ashley Leckwald. I do still make masks and uh, I do tarot readings still as well. You can find my zines and my masks and my uh, and some other fun stuff on um, Ashley-Leckwald dot square dot site i did not want to pay money to get a better domain than that and you're just gonna have to work with me on that uh tarot readings just contact me privately i'll still do them i've been kind of behind on dealing with tarot stuff lately but uh now that i have a new job and mass sales are kind of slowing down um i'm more than willing to kind of get back into that um as always you can find me on twitter at sins to hell with the numeral two uh right now i am on lockdown because i'm job hunting so um i'll probably if you're following me i'll get a request i will definitely uh you know if you look like our power ranger fan i'll, I'll definitely like allow you to follow me so don't worry about that too much um my instagram is jay jackets as well as my cat's instagram witchcraft in cats uh will i'll link it into the show notes below um and, um, I have a comic on Gunroad, uh, JSS Writes, uh, 87, uh, 87, if you're interested in that. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to be selling soap soon, but I don't have a, uh, site set up for that yet, but probably by the time we put up show notes for this. Uh, as for Ranger Splain, you, yeah, as for Ranger Splain, you can find us on Twitter at Ranger Splain, as well as Instagram at Ranger Splain. Uh, we're still revamping the Patreon. We probably need to meet up about that, but 2020's just been a year. Yeah, so, uh, bear with us on that. Um, I know we have a couple of people, or at least one person subscribing to our Patreon right now. Though, if you want to go out there and find it, by all means, we will not stop you, but we're just trying to figure out what we want to do with it going forward. All right, but yeah, so next month, it's finally time for Time Force. We'll be taking a look at a fan favorite, which includes Jules. I love Eric. He is my second worst son. Amazing. Uh, well, for everyone else, uh, stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, remember that Black Lives Matter, check your voter registration, and as always, may the power protect you. Oh.